Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 241! My name is NBZ, and uh, I am eternally in a frost-written, written, ridden land. Frost-written, written by God, I guess, for how cold everything fucking is right now. There was fog the other day, but I couldn't see, like, two feet in front of me. I was walking to work, and I was like, what? Where am I now? Am I, like, in some kind of mystical land? Am, am I in an N64 somewhere? game that can't render properly? Pretty much, you know? Like, that's that was the vibe. I was playing Turok, essentially. <laughs> the dinosaurs were somewhere, and I couldn't see them, and they were going to jump out. Me. but the but, frame rate um, was great the frame rate was great i could see everything you know as we all know the human eye sees in frame rates uh you know that's a that's a good good fun thing um yeah i don't know it's uh i it's been very uh i would say unseasonably cold for london um as opposed to i would expect this in scotland but i don't know it's just the effects of uh you know everything mm. falling apart uh globally so i don't know how, how's it been up there bally supposedly climate change means that europe and specifically the uk um our winters are going to become more like northeast north america so like wow you know new york toronto that kind of where they get the really hot summers and the yeah. really cold winters is what our natural summer winter cycle is going to become more like it's just going to be more intense on every yes. level and judging by last summer and this winter um that's certainly the case so that's, yeah that's fun uh yeah i you know what i i do i'm fine with fucking freezing cold you know i am i was born in the cold in december you know that i am i'm built for this i would say but when it comes to the summer just fuck that i just am totally with you about i am that. totally with you i can handle the cold so much better than the heat so yeah. much better um yeah, yeah. you know what mbz when what? there were rumors of a potential nintendo direct mm-hmm. uh, i tweeted uh well, seeing as we're going to be recording episode 241 like this weekend or like next weekend at the time, there's no way in hell that a direct would come out the week ahead of us actually recording. No. So I said, these rumors are false, they're not going to happen. And it happened. So that was a, a pleasant surprise. And it's actually no. worked out with our recording schedule for once. So thank you, Nintendo. Yeah, shout out to Nintendo for lis- listening to us for once uh, and, you know, providing uh, very, very uh, good timing for us to, you know, watch it, have lots of thoughts about it. In fact, play some stuff from the Direct that we can talk mm. about. So, um, so yeah, lots of lots of good stuff. Um, Bali, tell us what's going to happen on today's show. For the first segment, we're going to run through everything that was covered in that Nintendo Direct And then for the second segment, we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing, including a couple of demos from that direct indeed um yeah i uh you know i know that we like to stick to tradition here and like usually be like well we're always going to do what we've been playing first but you know when it comes down to it i know everybody listening is like i just want to hear them talk about the direct first and uh that's me with other podcasts so i assume it's you with your with this podcast you listening right now but we, have, we also have timestamps if you want to skip ahead to oh, that, totally. any part you want you know we, we, we've got that there as well you know you could you could do the you could do the machete order of this episode which <laughs> yes. is like do the traditional tnl of like listen to what we were playing then come back and listen to uh the nintendo direct yeah. if you want to do that you know go ahead and if you're a true hardcore fan that's what you're gonna do but um uh we're gonna we're gonna be here uh doing some nintendo direct stuff to begin with um so yeah i guess let's just get into it then um we should shout out our survey one last time yes before we do that though um yeah we have a survey ongoing uh which is going to be closing out uh the day after that this show goes out so if you haven't done it yet um please take a couple of minutes of your time to go check it out it'll be in the description it will be in the show notes uh, 
on our twitter account it's on discord all those places so um yeah that would be very very helpful uh, and lots of people have uh, already done it so we just uh, if there's any stragglers out there who are like hey uh, forgot to do it uh, was gonna do it and last reminder here there you go go check it out survey is there for you to do but um let's get into the nintendo direct uh, that happened on what was the date like the 9th of february or something 8th of something february like that, yeah i can't remember um it was a few days ago now uh, it's all hazy you know forgotten all of it but uh, we're going to be talking about it uh bally give me your overall top level thoughts on this nintendo direct how, how did it strike you from my with my bally hat on um it was very strong but all the stuff that is most for me that i'm most excited about i probably already knew about but it was very nice for a lot of those things to get more information like release dates for pikmin and stuff like that like that was very exciting and really good to see Mm -hmm. and then from a more general perspective if you're into your your demos if you're into your your dlc if you're into your jrpgs your jrpg collections i think Uh this um direct hit it out the park and i think there will be a lot of fans nintendo fans out there specifically of those three things and i'm you know i I come in that camp a bit where i'm very excited for octopath traveler 2 and stuff like that so like i think for that audience it was incredibly strong um but maybe from my personal tastes uh i i maybe needed like one more thing that was a big a big surprise to make Mm. it absolute top tier but it was just off the top tier for me personally it was it was very strong yeah, I mean, you know, I am one of those people. So for me, it really <laughs> did knock it out of the park. Uh, there were lots of things here for me. I think especially because the DLC that was being talked about, a lot of it ties in with games that I care about, right? Um, which, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I will play the Fire Emblem DLC. Um, I will definitely play the Xenoblade. We'll get to the fucking Xenoblade DLC. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of stuff... Um, in here that is for the nerds and we, i think we say this every time when it comes to nintendo directs but like look if you're not into uh niche rpgs then it, there's always going to be stuff here that is going to gloss over for you right because that's what they tend to do like this very japanese focused in terms of third party support these days especially um like it's been a while it feels like since there's been like strong western third party support in nintendo directs almost always japanese companies mm. and there are a few themes, as you said, to this direct. Uh, you know, one of them being a bunch of DLC. Um, I would say another theme is detective games. Uh, we have <laughs> multiples of those. Um, another theme is like nostalgia for the era of GameCube and DS, basically, um, and kind of pre that with with the GBA and, and Game Game Boy stuff. Um, and then also a weird theme is level five exists again question mark like what <laughs> out of nowhere uh which uh, is a very interesting thing so yeah lots of good stuff i i really thought this was a great nintendo direct and spoke to my taste particularly um but also had i think a lot of interesting things that speak to where nintendo are at at the moment which is basically look we've got a few big things coming but we're going to carry the rest of this platform's life with collections and remasters and older games that people have been asking for for a very long time and they are finally finally delivering them um and and putting stuff out and i think also just nintendo have tended to be a company that leads the way when it comes to shadow drops and just putting stuff out straight away but this was one of those presentations where they dropped so many things that i was i had anxiety about what to do first right like there was Mm. just so much stuff happening that i'm like i i don't know what to do with my switch right now because i could download like six different things that all drop today um and and that's really cool but uh but yeah it was it was very much uh, uh i don't know <laughs> too much things uh, too many things to choose from uh um you know a bunch of riches so 
anyway, uh, let's uh, let's just jump in, Bally. Let's uh, let's start talking about uh, things that we cared about, and we'll go back and forth on this. So, um, where do you want to start with this uh, Nintendo Direct? What's the thing you want to talk about first? Uh, let's jump in with some um, Pikmin Four, and they opened oh, right. the direct with this as well. Um, I was so confident this game wasn't coming out this year. Um, I think the fact they didn't show any video game footage, I didn't like gameplay last time. Like, I, I did think we'd see gameplay at some point for Pikmin in 2023, but I did not think it would be in the February direct. I thought it might be later. So the fact that they do a pretty extensive gameplay um, and then drop a release date, uh, I was very impressed. I, I think that visually Pikmin 4 is looking very cool. I think mechanically... We've got like ice Pikmin. They're they're pretty cool. Like yeah. they, they kind of like freeze over these big planes of water. Because traditionally in Pikmin, the plane of water means right. You need your blue water Pikmin, and that's how you traverse that area. And there's that's or you have like your pink flying Pikmin, for example. Right. That's the two ways of traversing water. And you have to kind of like leave the rest of your crew behind, essentially, right? Right. They can't come with you. Uh, and there are now multiple ways. It seems they they were like, look at this water. This is a pain in the ass. How about we find multiple ways of overcoming it? Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's and that's cool. cool. Like and. There's like this new dog that your new character, who's not Olimar or any other character, I believe that we've seen you, that you play as, you can like ride on this dog, and so like mechanically, there's a couple of new things there, but by and large, it does feel like it's going to be very close to Pikmin and like Pikmin Three more generally. So I don't think it's doing anything to 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 completely rewrite the formula, but I don't think that's what this game was ever going to be aiming for so i i mean i'm very excited it's a very very long time since we've had an, an original pikmin so the fact that it's coming july 21st is such a bonus so i was very excited by this and then opening the direct with it yeah i i think that release date is one that you're like well that's not going to get delayed right like even if it does get delayed it will be delayed still into 2023 so it's going to be a this year game regardless yeah. um and yeah they showed pretty extensive amounts of gameplay which to me says that this thing is locked in and this thing is probably has been done for a little while as well um and in traditional nintendo fashion they just kind of sit on it uh, until they think it is uh, a good time marketing wise to release it or like calendar wise to release it and um yeah i'm really excited for it you know i i got into pikmin having played pikmin 3 on wii u um at your recommendation i think maybe i borrowed your disc for pikmin 3 i, I can't so, remember yeah, um, yeah and uh yeah and I, I loved it i thought it was a fantastic game and of, of all the like kind of the traditionally bally games that i have gotten into i think pikmin is the number one for me oh it's um, number the number one. one wow yeah because like above tropical freeze Ooh, well it's tight they're both pretty yeah they're both pretty great those are those are two of the best wii u games right like uh on, on top of each other i would say as a series though right because like tropical freeze is like an individual game because i was into the donkey kong games yeah. in some senses yeah. but um but yeah I, I would say like as a series i just wasn't really because you you had pikmin on gamecube and i never really I got that into yeah. it and i played it at your house a little bit but um we never really like i never sat down to really give it the time of day uh, and then when i did i think pikmin 3 was the right game to do it with as well because it mm. was like a refinement of so much of what had happened in the series up to that Definitely. point and look the wii u was a perfect platform for it as as awkward as it could be of like having the gamepad and the wii remote and everything it is like the best use of motion controls i've ever seen in a game and like such a smooth streamlined experience from that kind of idea of, of moving around the place and like 
controlling multiple different parties i wonder if that plays into things again of like switching between different um characters to control different groups i hope so i think that was really well executed on wii u with the gamepad and the way that the pad sat on your lap and like you go between the three characters and just kind of really really allowed the kind of metroidvania puzzles working out how to get to the next space felt a lot more in depth and thorough through that method which i enjoyed yeah um, i did think this trailer also revealed that they're going back to something from pikmin 2 which is like the dungeons in that mm, game so the dungeons yes. are basically like it's basically like level you keep going further into the earth and then there's like some big boss at the bottom of the dungeon essentially um kind of roguelike stuff back in pikmin 2 it's a little bit roguelike yeah and it's a lot they're generally more combat focused and less puzzle focused and um they can get pretty tough and you kind of you kind of like get all your pikmin and then you just take on the dungeon and then because you you don't have the ability to gain more pikmin like you do in the overworld it it's that's kind of where the challenge is it's like you really need to protect your pikmin otherwise you know you're going to run that pikmin game over and go back mm. to the surface kind of things so i think it seems like they're incorporating something similar to that in this game judging by just the, the feel of the world and going down like you could see that there was like a dungeon style area so that'd be cool because pikmin 3 i think was maybe on the easy side a little bit i mean there were some tough bosses in there but like yeah. i think that if pikmin 4 goes for the more dungeon style thing in aspects i think that could be cool yeah or even having them to be optional things right that you can yeah. go after if you want but you don't have to engage with in the main story i think would be a nice approach to it potentially um but yeah we'll we'll see where they go with that i am um, for me the, the biggest difference was the camera perspective shift which miyamoto had talked about before of like we're gonna be a bit closer to the ground or whatever and it really does feel like that you i get more of a toy story feel here like uh and it takes two feel of like tiny person in big world and really from that perspective this time and like the Mm. big boss they showed with the giant clomping feet did feel more intimidating and larger and more like almost shadow of the colossus-esque than pikmin has previously done because pikmin has previously had a bit more of a zoomed out slightly isometric camera um this to me feels like a, a good enough difference to like make it stand out but also makes me wonder like does that mean there's less of a tactical focus and more of an action focus um i'm not sure like how that makes it kind of the, the adapting to this new camera style because um you know a lot of a lot of pikmin before was kind of taking your crew and kind of putting them into different sections of the army and just being able to take okay i'm going to take this one here and this one there and like spread them out and that sort of stuff and you could do that more easily from a zoomed out perspective from like a you know it's like a total war game or whatever right you can see mm. everybody and you're kind of like commanding them in a sense and <clears throat> if they are all kind of close towards you and around you and you can't kind of separate them like that in an easy way then it makes me feel like they're going in a more action direction maybe even a more like tiny kin-esque direction where it's more focused on just like they automatically get attacked uh, to people depending on you know you don't even have to choose between them that type of thing i don't mm. think nintendo would go in that direction but i wonder if that camera shift down lower to the ground changes the uh, the approach from a gameplay yeah. perspective yeah so looking um, cool there's nothing yeah. overly surprising in this in this trailer i thought but it was no. still looking very cool and it's just amazing and awesome that we're getting a new pikmin game in 2023 yeah it's great i i hope it is the best-selling pikmin game I, it has to has be to right be. like to be. it must be um, did the pikmin 3 re-release on switch do okay i don't know i've not heard much about how well that sold um i imagine it 
probably did fine um i think like the only wii u game that did poorly as a switch re-release that i've heard of was tokyo mirage sessions which (laughs) flopped on wii u flopped on switch as well forgot that game yeah Yeah. yeah. um so that one that's one of those rare games where like the switch effect did not take place (laughs) and it Mm. just which is kind of shocking because that game is basically persona in in somewhere you know it's nowhere near as good as persona but you know that audience is kind of ravenous i was i'm a little surprised maybe it's just the name of it is just so obscure and nobody knows what the fuck it is so like yeah i totally get why people would would skip over it but um yeah i think pikmin 3 did at least decently um and yeah i am i am wondering about like control schemes in that right because as we've said like the controls in pikmin 3 are just sublime so can they make something that feels really good uh that adapts to this new system in pikmin 4 i hope so um and yeah i i like that dog i saw a tweet someone put out was like uh do nintendo just not know that dogs have noses because every dog they make doesn't have a nose <laughs> that's like, so um, true i remember the dog in that in, like in yoshi's island that you yes. ride on and stuff yeah yeah because that dog is also in yoshi's woolly world as well right? yeah um, it looks very um, similar to this dog in pikmin 4 actually and yes yeah. doesn't have a nose yeah exactly uh, but yeah no my favorite part of this trailer was you jump on the dog and he's like a little boat that takes you across the water like the way he just like plops in and the pikmin all like go around the dog and like it was just very adorable and just very mm. well animated and like you can see the charm is, is on full display for pikmin 4 so yeah um, massively yeah it might not be a complete reinvention of the series but i think they're going to add enough new and interesting things to to keep it fresh and and make it feel like a fun experience and you know i don't need that much new for pikmin i think it's already a great formula to begin with so just a bit more of that um sounds good to me great very much looking forward to that what's your next pick Um, mbz look let's just go in let's just do it because everyone wants to hear us talk about the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom um i thought you were going to talk about omega strikers okay oh yeah no my favorite game from the presentation (laughs) omega strikers um bally did you know you can pre-order this free-to-play game today uh that's what they said during the presentation (laughs) it's gonna be the next fortnight but it's gonna be big it's gonna be big stuff man um so legend zelda tears of the kingdom um i think we both came away from the presentation i'm gonna say a little cold on this trailer a little. Um, i i was initially anyway um and i think there's just a weird the marketing around this game has been super strange for me from the sense of it's been so long and it's been so snippeted you know like you think about how much footage total we've seen of this mm. game it's probably under up to this point it's probably under six minutes i would say and that's yeah. over the course of four years and so <laughs> like it's it's really been like dribbled out in bits and pieces and we slowly have been piecing together what we think this game might be and my expectation was look we're three months away from launch they've done no big marketing on this game whatsoever they have to they have to come big with this right they have to have an end of direct trailer that's like three four minutes long that dives into the core premise of the game what's really happening you know maybe even doing a treehouse section at some point you know like that is what i need to see from this game and they give us another like minute and a half trailer that shows us some stuff but then still doesn't really tell us about the core of this game and um and yeah and so i came i came away from it being like okay look i'm still very excited for zelda i just i'm just still a little i just don't really know what to expect and maybe that's a good thing right like in in many senses it's nice to go into a, a game like this fresh but zelda is that one series from nintendo where i i just want to see more of it all the time like just that entire treehouse section at e3 when they did breath of the wild i watched yeah. fucking everything and it's because i just wanted i was ravenous for more information about this game and and that's kind of how i feel here is like it feels like they need to do a full-blown direct that's like okay 
we're two months away from launch here's what this game is about here's what you're going to be doing that kind of stuff and not spoiling things but like at least giving us providing yeah. a bit more context for what's going to be happening um yeah and you would be nice i mean the logic says and not that nintendo ever go by logic but like the logic is that the february direct will get a lot more views and be aimed at a wider audience that could then be interested in tears of the kingdom than any specific um direct focused on zelda down the line you know Mm. like so i it's strange that sure they might do a treehouse live and say i don't know when's the game coming out may in april and that's great and maybe they'll reveal a lot more about like the gameplay and the initial areas or something who knows but the fact that they didn't do something a little more detailed here i was i was surprised by yeah um especially when you juxtapose that with what they did with breath of the wild where i mean we still had the four years of intermittent trailers and then sure, there was the that snippets, weird gameplay yeah. at the game awards and but then eventually they said for e3 you know towards e3 2016 they're like right we're just focusing on breath of the wild and we've not even revealed the switch yet but that, that doesn't matter we're just going to talk about breath of the wild they completely spoiled most of if not the entirety of the great plateau with the on purpose because they knew that the game had so much more beyond the great plateau that the Great Plateau was just this fantastic... It was, like, designed for a Treehouse Live, like the mm. Plateau. It's just so good at understanding the mechanics, uh, understanding how this game works, and then just leaving the whole mystery of the rest of the world. And I guess that's hard to do with a sequel that's based in the same world with Tears of the Kingdom. I get that. But right. they really are going for these really dark-themed vibes on almost all of these trailers at least for large portions of the trailers and it's very much this feeling of like breath of the wild is so hopeful and bright and sure it's an apocalyptic world but it's still very positive and all the trailers leading up to it more or less were like very bright and positive and all these trailers are so dark and it's you know it's ocarina versus majora you know it's like light versus Mm -hmm. dark wind waker versus twilight princess light versus dark you know like there's a real they really want you to feel this kind of closed uncomfortable feeling and certainly this trailer made me feel uncomfortable the more i watched of the trailer later and the more people analyzed it i got a lot more excited and we can talk about aspects that were exciting but like tonally it just feels so different from breath of the wild and that's what made me feel uncomfortable and a little not lacking but a little disappointed is an overstatement but i wanted a little bit more and as you say with it coming out so soon it's it's not the it's not the great positive vibes i want coming into zelda and i'm I'm sure i'm still gonna love this game it's gonna probably still be my game of the year it's probably still gonna be just as good if not better than breath of the wild but the this trailer was weird it's really weird yeah that that's the thing it comes down to is like it has a strange structure to it like it focuses as you said on kind of like kind of narrative like uh you we presume we hear ganondorf at the start of this trailer um uh i'm assuming played by matthew mercer that the internet has figured out and then as soon as i heard someone say that i was like oh of course it fucking is like that's because <laughs> i remember watch i was watching it the first time i'm like this is such a familiar voice who is this um and and yeah like if that is matt mercer playing ganondorf then i mean that's you know it's game of the year already so don't need to do anything else but um <laughs> but uh yeah that there, there's a strange structure to it there's a strange kind of weirdness and then the, you just and then suddenly it's banned because we nuts and bolts and everyone's like what the fuck what uh what happened um i i do love the idea that the entire zelda team watched people play this on the internet and were like hmm those people who take magnets and make themselves fly through the sky that's a cool idea what if we just made a mechanic <laughs> these people who make vehicles out of rocks let's give them vehicles 
totally like let's let's build this glitch slash like pushing the boundaries of the physics of the world let's just actually give them the tools to do that this time you know and like that i think it really opens up the possibility Mm. space of what you can do because like i mean breath of wild is just a physics playground there's so much fun stuff you can do with the chemistry and physics of that game and like providing even more tools even more creativity that a player can have around those ideas with this you know making basically a a machine that goes across the land that's basically a car but it's like on a platform and stuff and you know flying ships and like the the whole i i am very uh interested in how this game runs because like flying through the sky on a giant platform with like all that stuff and loading in the entire like it just it seems like a lot for the switch to be doing um but if they can pull it off then i mean you know tip to them because it it seems like an impossible task Um, and yeah i think the idea of having something in the world telling you that there is something you need to go to in the sky and you more or less have a vague idea where in the sky it is you've not been in the sky yet and then the game the game suggests that oh there might be a wheel and like something to link to this to create a hot air balloon that might link to the and you get like parts for a hot air balloon out of a bog using like your magnet magnet thing or whatever your arm yeah your arm apparently um and then you the idea that you then build a vehicle and then you take off in that vehicle and explore the skies and then discover, I don't know, a shrine or the next story beat or who, who knows what. You discover something in the sky that the game has been breadcrumbing you towards. Like, that sounds like, that's like what I would define as the next level of open world, like beyond Breath of the Wild, like that. Right. That feeling in Breath of the Wild where you have a general idea of where you want to go. And you just go and you explore things along the way. And there's all these mechanics and things in the way. Like the idea that you can then do that, but come go into the sky and build the thing to get to the sky yourself. And you pull the parts out of like a bog like they showed in the trailer. Like that is very exciting and is something no open world game has done so far to my knowledge. Like that's no. really next level thinking in terms of where open world games can go and what you would expect from, you know, open world Zelda in 2023. Yeah, and it feels like, once again, they're taking inspiration from other games and looking to places, I would say, outside the Japanese games industry, because this, to me, calls to mind games like Besiege, which is a game where you are building these contraptions uh, to, you know, overcome these puzzles, and that's a very kind of um you know segmented game it's not you know open or anything you just have this like here's this challenge build a machine that overcomes this challenge using your ingenuity and your engineering or you have something like kerbal space program where the entire concept is building a rocket that can go to the moon and can you know hold up through space and all that sort of stuff like there is a you have to have an integrity to the machine you're building and and as we see like clearly these are things built by a player and not predetermined by some sort of blueprint right like you can see kind of like the random like okay it's just like a really big plank that's attached with these wheels and you can see the kind of like the green goo that almost acts like um adhesive in order Mm -hmm, to put mm -hmm. all this stuff together um there is a creativity to that which i think it's it's taking it to the next level of like okay well you can build these things and you can have fun with them and and you can build a game that overcomes specific puzzles by having to you know make something to do that but now this is far more about like just pure traversal and getting around the space and 
And I wonder if that plate, like, I don't think we've seen, oh no, we have. I was going to say, I don't think we've seen a horse, but we saw a horse multiple times yeah, in this trailer. Yeah. I was going to say, do they take all the horses away and then now you just have to, you know, vehicle build your way? But um, yeah, that's why I want to know what is the advantage of riding this tractor across Hyrule Field versus riding your horse? Like, what, what's right. the difference? Why do you need it to be the tractor? Like, maybe the tractor is a means of getting parts from one end of the map to the other, and then you use those same parts to make a hot air balloon that you then, or something like that who knows you can carry stuff right you can make a lorry where you just like you can take stuff with you to the other side you could also theoretically see it having you know what if it has weapons on the side you know like you can attach a gun or something to it or like uh some kind of like weird spikes on the side that end up plowing through enemies so you can just like run through enemies and they die as you kind of like go past them essentially like essentially gta like with breath of the wild or if you just like had a guardian head that you just plonked on the front and then you right just go just <laughs> like, like a laser all the enemies away. yeah yeah <laughs> like there is there's a lot of but that's the thing i think it makes it exciting is there's a lot of possibility and like man if the first game was certainly built for sharing on social media this shit is gonna go wild you are gonna see insane stuff and i am so looking forward to that because i think there's a level of creativity that you can have with this idea um that you know i I think it's gonna be great i think it's gonna be so so much fun to mess around with and like share tips with each other and like that's the fun thing is like it's almost like minecraft adjacent in like there's an there's an engineering aspect to this right like Mm. a real world application of balance and you know understanding of like where axles should go and that sort of stuff like i'm sure it won't get that super complicated but it will get complicated to a point where you know you will you can make something that will just not really work right Uh, that will be possible um but there will be a fun kind of kind of experimentation to it that i think and to be clear like we did see a truck slash tractor slash whatever we saw a hot air balloon yeah and we saw a green goblin style like hovercraft kind of yeah literally a raft with a bunch of fans attached to it um and you can see it's not working perfectly because even in that shot it's like leaning towards (laughs) the ground (laughs) so at any moment link could just fall off it you know like there's an instability there's an unpredictability to it that i think makes makes that stuff fun right yeah um and, which is and awesome. I'm, I'm intrigued like if you've spent a good couple of hours getting the parts for that hovercraft and then you fall off the hovercraft mid midair and then the hovercraft flies to god knows where the other uh-huh. side of the map like what's the process for getting it back and getting right. the pieces back does it take another two hours or is there some sort of reset or like does the green goo teleport it back to you i don't know they're just i'm intrigued to see how they bring it all together can you do like what you do with horses where you go somewhere and register the the, the right. vehicle essentially like to register this hovercraft yeah um, exactly and then you can just you know bring it back wherever you want um which might be a way around it but yeah um you know do they is degradation built into these these pieces as oh, well God. right like yeah. uh, people could be even more mad uh, but yeah no that would be that'd be very cool um yeah and there's there are snippets of story stuff here as we mentioned like there's there's the ganondorf stuff there's also zelda saying a few things you know there's a mysterious figure that link kind of like holds hands with who is that zelda is that someone else um and it really this whole trailer i think a part of my disappointment was this whole fucking trailer they are baiting the hell out of us they are leading up to a moment which looks like they're gonna say okay zelda's playable right i felt it the whole trailer and then the last shot is oh she's falling down a hole again and link's reaching out to her yeah it's all right it's the second trailer they've baited us for that stuff yeah okay so are we leaning on the side that zelda will be playable in this game 
I oh my god. The thing is that after the presentation, they put out official artwork of Zelda, and she's holding basically a Sheikah slate, right? Right. And so, are you saying you think she will be playable? I look. It, all the signs say yes, but it's Nintendo, so no, right? Like, that's where my brain is at. Is like, I... Okay, let's pretend a world where we know that Zelda is playable. Yeah. Do Nintendo reveal that in marketing before the game's release? That's a, it's a good question, isn't it? Like, could it be a ride-in situation with Metal Gear Solid 2, right? Like, nobody knows about it, and then they're like, what the fuck? Like, that, th- there is a lot of that stuff. Like, even with God of War Ragnarok last year, which I won't say specifically, but like, you know there are certain things that they don't put in marketing so that when the player gets to the game they can be surprised by it right right so the question is is that the case here right like will it be that you're 40 hours in and all of a sudden you're playing a zelda right like i don't know like is that possible yeah. maybe I, um i yeah. think they will reveal she is playable before the game comes out okay i, yeah. I think so i think okay. i don't think they can resist the marketing beat i could be wrong yeah and she might not and she might not even be playable and we're all just like well they've not released it as a marketing beat but now we're playing the <laughs> game and then we finished be in the, the game. game 150 yeah. hours later we didn't play a minute of zelda yeah yeah <laughs> who knows yeah. but um yeah I, I i think they would be too tempted by the marketing beat to not go for it and they're enjoying teasing it for now they are just teasing this underground right like that's the thing that keeps getting teased constantly and there's been so much focus placed on the sky it feels like they're there's not as much focus being placed on like what's going to happen when she falls through the earth right Hmm. like i i am very curious about how that will play into things and even if even that is a thing it could not be it could be something we're just kind of creating from our own kind of like expectations so um i don't know uh i yeah i i I tend to agree that like i think we were both quite cool on this but after watching it some more after watching people do breakdowns analysis that sort of stuff i am i am very excited still obviously you know it's the fuck it's the next zelda game i'm always going to be excited about it no matter what um i just i just wish that their marketing was a bit more aligned and you know had a bit more direction to it and you know maybe maybe that's the thing as you said like they don't they don't need to sell this game to people because people know what the game is at a base no. level i think that they're enjoying being weird and dark about it clearly and right that's fine it's just the vibes we got from the switch um reveal trailer it was yes the japanese january one right the, that's what i wanted i wanted yeah. that equivalent trailer but, for this but then you watch it back like the re- part of the reason those trailer that trailer was so good is it was bright it was positive it was hopeful it was bright vibes positive music and this trailer had none of that yeah even though it revealed a ton of like cool stuff mm. it's just it, it makes you realize how much vibes in a trailer can make you feel good about a game versus whether the game will actually be good or <laughs> really great or not anyway but i think i think it's a structure thing as well because like the music in that original trailer is oh, amazing yeah. like yeah, the yeah. way that it all builds up narratively like it's 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 that is in my opinion the greatest trailer ever made so yeah it's gonna be hard (laughs) to get close to that so you know um expectations and everything but um yeah i don't know there there was there's other cool stuff in this the only other thing i want to point out is like the kind of um what do you call it is it as i can't remember like you know the which people was it that made like those giant like images in the sand or in the ground whatever that you could see from the sky like that real life in real life oh, yeah it wasn't goodness. aztecs or no oh, I, 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 can't, I can't remember who it was but um the incan i think maybe incan i'm not sure like there was there was a people who 
you know made these giant things in the sand that you could see from the sky like giant basically images of gods animals that sort of stuff right um an illusion of gaia uh, has those in it as well as is a cool kind of reference and nod to that real world thing but um uh yeah that that is in this game as well like there are huge patterns on the ground that you can see from the sky that are you know laying out i don't know something to do with beasts gods who knows mm. um there's something something interesting from a law perspective going on there so I'm, I'm interested in that um and yeah lots more different types of floating islands it seems like there's there's a lot of space in the sky to explore it feels like and so it feels like you know even if the main the base kind of area that you've gone around is very similar there's still going to be so much new to yeah. explore which is but, I mean, very exciting <laughs> i don't think we've seen a shrine once no. in these six minutes and well, shrines... we see those kind of swirling green things that people have been thinking right, are like maybe shrine equivalents or something like but a warp shrines point equivalent were such a core part of the gameplay loop of the first game that what replaces that loop in this game or yeah. like you know like and that is, is is frustrating in some senses to not know what the even the gameplay loop of this game is going to be so yeah. close to release and I do think the gameplay loop is at least something we'll probably get a better understanding of when I do think there will inevitably be um, a Treehouse Live. Um, yeah. And we'll see. I I think it's inevitable they do a specific game-focused direct around Tears of the Kingdom. Like, they, they've they got three months <laughs> to put this game out. So It's going to be a trailer that then leads into a play session. I hope so. Yeah, yeah okay. I hope so. Yeah. I think, like you know do it doing it would probably be a i don't know 30 minute direct that has opens with a trailer then breaks down a bunch of mechanics and stuff like that and talks through and they'll do it in april um maybe end of march end of march yeah end of march i think could be a good time for it getting hyped um about a month out yeah i think it's possible yeah. but yeah uh anyway legends of tears of the kingdom um mixed feelings but i think overall still i'm you know i'm still fucking excited for that yeah game, so. very excited so, uh Bally, what do you want to talk about next um it was less of a surprise because it was more or less broke news broken in with rumors and things but great to see advance wars reboot camp resurface finally um, happening the great news is it is finally happening the bad news is it's still two months away yeah um, april 21st I of all say. the shadow drop things happening in this direct you would have expected yeah. this could be one of them right really surprised that to shadow drop metroid which i guess we can talk about in a minute but like not shadow drop drop advance wars especially knowing that something else could happen in the ukraine russia war that might right. suddenly scare nintendo back into yeah hiding it away so I don't know. Another point to make on its not reveal but kind of release date drop is they didn't want to show any gameplay. Like they didn't want to show any like tanks in action. I guess you saw like tanks in the cutscene that they showed, and those cutscenes look fantastic. Like I'm very impressed by what WayForward have done with that art style, and they've done, they've done their own take on the original art style, which I think is really nice. And that game is looking fantastic, but it was it was very strange to not see any gameplay. Like if you're someone who's just watching this direct who doesn't know what advance wars is that isn't going to knowing now that the game's going to come out you still won't know what advance wars is based on what they showed and that is very strange um when you're trying to market a game so yeah really just all very weird and hard to know and i really hope that when the game eventually finally comes out fingers crossed it's not just a kind of damp squib and nintendo never talk about advance wars again um but 
Only time will tell, uh, but hopefully it comes out and sells well. So a shout out to everyone here. You got to go buy that game when it comes yeah, out. Um, yeah. And I'm sure it'll do very well. I'm, I'm sure it'll get, I don't know, low to mid 80s open critic and that kind of thing. I think it's going to be a very solid game and I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, well, did they get more time to add more stuff to it in the interim? Or was mm. it just like, did they would like, oh, we're just going to, we're just going to leave it here uh, and you don't need to do anything else. Um, but it could have been nice, you know. I, I, It would have been really nice to have this and say, like, oh, also, Way Forward made, like, a mini campaign of, like, additional levels, of, like, a proof of concept yeah. of, like, doing a potentially new game. Um, that would have been a really cool thing, but um, I don't... I don't. Here's, think here's my case. call on the weird release date. Mm-hmm. Um, I reckon they probably hit all their targets for this financial year, and they right. just want to sling it into the next financial year to help with next year's targets even though that's the same year that tears of the kingdom is coming out but who knows (laughs) Um, i think they just want that extra boost for the next financial year and slung it into april could be true also (laughs) on the other hand i think that would be like a tiny drop in the bucket for nintendo's (laughs) financial year but you know it's uh, gonna sell well maybe advanced wars will will break a million units like i think it's possible if it sells like i I mean ecstatic if it get got like two to three million units which i do think is possible totally like i mean xenoblade sells about two million units at this point in time i think fire emblem also sells two to three million so if it can enter that kind of league then i think nintendo will be like oh okay let's do something with advanced right exactly exactly Um, yeah so we'll see how it goes and uh, i hope hope it turns out well for your sake and for everybody else out there so um let's talk about the game that i have to play this year bally uh yeah. that you have told me i have to play um and you know <laughs> we, rumored for years. we expected this to happen we expected i mean jeff grubb thought it was happening last year but finally finally metroid prime remastered uh is has come out it's already come out you know you can play it but i'm sure a lot of listeners are playing it right now at this very yeah. moment fascinating um, when they do like stealth drop but then they also be like all right and yeah the physical copy is coming in a few days kind of thing like that yeah very interesting yeah and i think it doesn't hurt it right because it's a remaster so it's not like it's a brand new game that they're Mm. splitting digital and physical release and they wanted the big splash of it's out today right they they totally wanted that so uh yeah i mean this looks like the best version there's ever been of metro prime and metro prime has been in various versions before we had the original on gamecube there was the um the wii version uh, on the trilogy collection that added motion controls to it um and now we have a fully ground up um remastered version that i think a lot of people expected maybe to be just you know a bit prettier and that's it but it feels like they've really gone the extra mile here like the game looks significantly improved in a lot of different ways um it's added a bunch of features from a control stand point that is great um and i don't think it's changed much about the content of the game it feels like it's pretty much stuck the same stuff that's always been i know that we had discussed like well what if they did the wind waker hd thing and took out the or at least streamlined the chozo artifact hunt at the end of the Mm. game and feels like they've not gone in that direction with it and just kind of like kept it as is um but you know it's still at this point the best play best way to play metro prime now um you know they added traditional twin stick controls fantastic that's like a really important thing for a modern game that most people are coming to fresh these days um you know i think motion controls are part of the package as well so that they they also have the original controls in there if you're a sicko who only played the gamecube version and love that control style then you can do that also i do like the original controls i'll admit that and that's how i played it yeah totally um and 
uh, yeah, and you can just play it now. It's great. Like, I, I I don't know if there's a huge amount to say, except that this, for a lot of people, is one of the greatest games ever made. Um, and now just a lot more people can get exposed to it and play it and understand why Metro Prime is good before they do Prime 4, which, interestingly, like, they didn't have anything to say on Prime 4 no. still, uh, even with this. They didn't feel a need to kind of caveat it in any way. Um, I think with Dread, they did do that a little bit, but with this, they're like, no, it's just it's coming out as Metro Prime Remastered um and i think to some extent there's a little disappointment from folks of like well why is it just the first game and not the second and the third and like it seems like according to jeff as well like those two will happen they just won't get the same full-blown treatment as these it'll be more of a kind of vanilla remastering um okay but um but yeah i mean i i'm not as everyone knows i'm not a fan of metro prime i've tried it so many times in lots of different forms um you know i was a scared little boy playing prime 2 on gamecube and then you and i tried to i i started a new file on the trilogy with metro prime I remember you around in my house and we're playing it and i was like trying to fight that fucking stupid fly boss or whatever one of the first like mini bosses and i was like i hate these fucking controls like i, I, I couldn't deal with it like it was just really frustrating so i i'm hoping that this is the time that it clicks with me um and maybe it won't maybe i'll come out the other side and be like you motherfuckers are crazy you know what why does everyone like metro prime um but uh yeah we'll we'll see i i'm so convinced you might come out the other side thinking that but i'm very pleased that you know people are playing this people are loving this people are understanding why like this game is so loved and yeah is it has aged impeccably well in my opinion like i played this game about 10 years after it came out and now we're 10 years on from that so like yeah. i i'd like to check in with this game if i have the time at some point this year to, to pick it up and play it again because yeah it's a really really special game um i it's it's maybe cleaner and nicer that they just did prime one initially at least and then they've been like right yeah because people generally think that's the best one and yeah like for to, sure it's to, the iconic one yeah so so iconic and it's it's a really good well-paced game really good length and like I think that the, some of the first-person shooting elements are some of the weakest aspects of the game, but that's not what like Metroid is traditionally about. It's also about the exploration, and that's where this game in particular, I think, is at its real strongest. Is It's a really interesting world to explore and really well-designed puzzles and morph ball puzzles, and there's a lot there that is... Because I think there's been so many first-person shooters since Metroid Prime that, yes, there are plenty of games out there that do first-person shooting so much better than Metroid Prime. Like That goes without saying, but it's all the other exploration, slower-paced stuff that I think is so impressive about Prime. And it's getting great reviews so far. I'm sure those great reviews will continue, but like it's it's so refreshing to me as a huge Metroid Prime fan that like a 2002 game in 2023 is holding up so well, uh, even with... A remastering and not just a, a, a ground up remake that mm-hmm. um, other games might have required from that similar time period you know yeah for sure and i think if someone said that like the original code base is still there so like they they clearly have just built on the bones of that original gamecube game which shows how well it has held up over all this right. time um and um yeah i think um i think iron galaxy worked a bit on this as well it looked like retro did some internal oh. work but they had some external help as well and, and that that's cool to see Iron Galaxy, I think are they also in austin am i making that they up? might be i'm not anyway. sure actually i'm not, not sure. sure um but uh but yeah shout out to dave lang and the crew for getting metroid prime out there for us um good good stuff um 
Bali, any anything else that you want to jump onto as a let's, major thing from this presentation? Let's jump onto Game Boy and Game Boy Game Boy Advance coming yes. to well are now on Nintendo Switch Online. Like I think it's a shame it's taken so bloody long. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here we are, like six years into the Switch life cycle. Like here's some Game Boy games and some Game Boy Advance games, but you know what they're presented really well and it's a really great selection so far and they've promised really great games to come i've already played like 10 minutes of kuru 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 rin uh-huh yeah that name <laughs> say that 10 times yeah, fast I mean, they obviously want to shorten it to kkk but you can't shorten oh, no, it my to god, kkk I never thought so about like that. you have to Holy just stick yeah just have to stick by kuru 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 rin <laughs> oh, um so yeah that game is great fun so far uh and they've uh, there's all, all, obviously stuff like minish cap is already there like that's a fantastic that's my like my number two 2d zelda it's probably minish cap honestly yeah like, that's a really strong game and i'm really excited for like golden sun coming in right who knows when but like I, i'd really love to play that and then game boy wise i just checked in with like uh, mario 6 gold coins and um yeah that a game really holds up still like it's still really it's good such really a good great, game really great music and the, the game boy it's really nice they've got like the game boy pocket version the game boy classic version where it's a lot more green screen yeah and then you've got the game boy color version for all these game boy games it looks really cool and it's got pokemon trading card game on the way which i'm very excited right. about. that's a really yeah. uh, nice niche game that's in there and hopefully hopefully they can actually bring pokemon red blue gold silver to the system because yeah would, that would be that would be nice maybe they'll <laughs> they do have online on these things so like trading is probably possible right, right? Yeah, shouldn't it be maybe. um uh, and i know I they know. did do work on the 3ds versions of those uh ports to to, to in, include like the trading and the battling so can't, can't they do it i don't know i maybe. don't I think it might not work in that way because the way the online functions is that one person joins another person's session, right? So for Mario Kart, it works because on GBA, it would be a... Actually, no, G- Mario Kart would be Yeah, because it's not link a home cable. console. It's a, yeah. yeah, so it wouldn't be local, would it? So it, would, it yeah. would have to be multiple different... Interesting, so maybe you're right. Yeah, that could be the case. That's why they do... The Game Boy and Game Boy Advance do have a separate... It, the, the way they connect online is different because as oh. you say it's not just share screen it's slightly different obviously we've not tried it yet but like yeah um i'm intrigued by that um those options and if it, it can work but yeah yeah Very yeah cool i guess so um, yeah for sure but i guess because in the past when we've done like you know wild guns or whatever it's basically you joining my session and we just yeah, click, click local couch yeah. co-op right exactly. exactly essentially um so yeah no it's good it's good that they because they did mention like oh yeah you're playing mario kart you know the the gba one uh with multiple people so you would have to emulate a link cable essentially is what's going on there yes um yes. so yeah that's that's pretty damn cool um yeah I'm, I'm excited for the future games to come like obviously metro fusion is going to be on there which i love fire emblem is going to be on there like my two like favorite games ever um as well as yeah. golden sun that i want to get to um and yeah i mean gba is... no, no advance wars funnily enough <laughs> yeah that's funny that huh yeah i wonder why wonder why they would do that um but yeah they are definitely putting a, a strong potential lineup out there um also, like, I appreciate the dumbness of putting out Super Mario Brothers, uh, so, sorry, Super Mario Advance for Super Mario Brothers 3 there as the go. first, yeah. the first Mario game on there. Just don't confuse anybody. Just choose the one with the worst title possible. Um, that's fine. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that was, that was the game that I spent some time with was 
you know, I have beef with Mario 3, but, you know, it's very easy to pick. I was basically, I was, you know, having stuff on the background. I was like, I just want to play something on here that's uh, easy to do that. I don't have to pay that much attention to. And, and Mario Mario 3 in GBA form is not definitely nicer than original Mario 3 in NES form, I will say, from a visual perspective. But also a little bit from a playability perspective, it feels a little bit better. Um, but it is fundamentally still Mario 3, and Mario 3 still... It's look. It's a fine game. It's an okay. It's not just Mario Three. They've also included extra levels that were included on the yes. e-card reader. Exactly, which is yeah. very cool. Um, um, so that's there. Yeah, well, they actually had those available on the Wii U Virtual Console. I remember oh, when? They? Yeah, when people were talking about that stuff going away, they were like, "Pick up these advanced versions because they have all the content for the e-reader levels in them." So they're basically just bringing that over from the essentially from the Wii U Virtual Console. But yeah, it's really nice. I don't, I'm not sure how you access those. Um, you might have to finish the game first and then get them potentially. There's so. some add-on where you can buy the cards and then scan them into your Switch. Yeah, so I, I, I just don't know how. Yeah, that uh, that would be fun, but I, I don't know. I, <laughs> don't know how they do that in this i'm gonna have to dig around and see if i can find that stuff because i would like to play those like because those are those are levels designed in the era like they're some they're so interesting because they're the only 2d mario level new things designed for 2d mario within the gba era because the gba era was just remakes of older mario games so the only original level design content of a gba mario game Mm. is contained within those e-reader levels so i actually do want to play those as opposed to just playing through mario 3 again which you know i've already played that game and had my beef with the sun and everything uh in that game so uh yeah it's um it it would be nice to check out the new stuff but um yeah i have a weird summoning thing going on here i guess because like i (laughs) i decided on a whim to play Kurakura Kura in like two days before the direct happened on my Steam Deck because um, I'd loaded it up on there and I was like, yeah, I, I should check this out because it's you fun. Summoned more games um, into existence. Yep, and I, I, you know, Klonoa, I did it last time, and now I've summoned Kurakura Kura in for some Send reason. Send your is... summoning request, to NBZ at this yeah. Nintendo Life Absolutely, I'll, I'm there for it. Um, another summoning request that I had uh, was for uh, Baton Kaitos. Uh, oh, yeah. So. So these are games that uh, Monolith Soft made uh, back in the GameCube days uh, through Bandai Namco. And um, they weren't, I don't think Nintendo owned them at this point. I think they bought them after uh, Baton Kaitos Origins um, because the first game they did with Nintendo was Disaster Day of Crisis, uh, I believe, which is a hell of a first project, but there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I did load these up on my Steam Deck as well. And I was like preparing, I was like, look, no one's ever going to put Baton Kaitos out again. Like, what the fuck? Like, the name in and of itself is like obscure. Like, it just, who is like, it's hard to say and, and know even what it means. Um, so I'm like, like, there's no way they're going to remaster these what the hell um and then they do and i'm like what the fuck is going on like really uh it's that's it's pretty insane so these are these are rpgs that monolith worked on obviously before xenoblade uh, before disaster all that sort of stuff um and you know i'm i've always been as a massive xenoblade fan i've always been interested in going back to their back catalog of obviously xeno gears back when uh, takahashi was still at um square enix and they made xeno gears with square but then went on and he formed monolith and they made xeno saga all the xeno saga games so all of those i want to go back to but Baton Kaitos is one of those GameCube games that I'm like, yeah, like I, I, I think there's some interesting stuff going on with it. I would like to learn a bit more about it. Um, and I've heard it talked about a lot over the years. I know Guillaume on RFN uh, talked about it relatively recently. And um, it's interesting because it was like card-based combat systems have been in vogue recently with indie games quite a lot. Uh, even in AAA stuff now with Marvel's Midnight Suns, there's like card-based stuff going on with that. 
and and Kaitos was doing it all the way back then on GameCube, which is super fascinating. So it is it is an, is a card based RPG, um, and you know I I think that I've been told the voice acting is terrible, uh, and that's something to be aware of. But um, I, they're very niche, very interesting games that I have always had a bit of a fascination with. And you know, as a monolith stan, I should probably be playing the Baton Kaitos games. So super cool like one of one of the out of nowhere like i think it was actually leaked a little bit before the direct so it wasn't a full surprise but like the fact that it was real i was like okay then sure let's let's play baton kaitos i will absolutely do that and that that seems like it's coming out in the summer so um you know a little bit of time to wait on it and which is fine because i've got way too many games to play all the time but now especially so uh yeah it'd be nice to uh to have a bit of a break um from that um Bally, uh, what other stuff do you want to talk about here? Uh, I'm going to lump them together because they're kind of two JRPGs coming out this year uh, yes. that both got demos dropped, uh, mm-hmm. Octopath Traveler 2 and Sea of Stars. Yeah. Uh, we, well, I played the demo for Octopath Traveler 2. You played the demo for both of them. Uh, we're going to talk about those demos in the next segment, but really nice that Sea of Stars has a release date. Uh, I think they said... It's August, isn't it? It's like later yeah, in the year. August 29th. Oh, uh, wow. And then, yeah, Octopath Traveler 2, February 24th. And they've done the great thing again with Octopath Traveler where you play the demo and then that continues into the main game. So thank you very I love much, it. Square Enix. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I don't know if the Sea of Stars demo does the same. No, I don't think it would. And we can get into the Sea of Stars one, but... Um... You know, having worked in the world of indie games for a while, like I know when stuff comes in hot, and Sea of Stars demo feels like it's coming hot a little bit um, okay. in a few different aspects, um, and I totally understand why. Uh, I have been involved in trying to get demos up uh, that are coming in hot, so I, I, I sympathize. I'll say, and also like, it's the Steam Next Fest right now, so I've been playing a couple of demos from the Steam Next Fest, and this feels in line with the type of demo that would happen during a Steam Next Fest mm. anyway. So um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to be bringing anything over, especially because the demo starts. In media res like it doesn't start at the beginning of the game right it starts like okay yeah, in the middle of stuff Twitter, yeah yeah totally so um yeah we'll, we'll get into it but um but it, it is very cool that they have a demo out this early in advance of the game happening um i wonder if it would have been better marketing wise to have it a bit closer to the launch of the game but i guess they just want to keep building excitement for it uh until august if you're gonna take if you're gonna get offered a, a nintendo direct beat you're gonna take it i guess but, absolutely yeah. yeah totally and it does it does feel like they were like oh let's scramble to get a demo fully done for this nintendo direct so that we can take advantage of it you know yeah. and especially because it's a main nintendo it's not even an indie direct like this shows you what nintendo think about this game yeah. and its positioning in their line behind sea of stars for sure right right so it's, yeah. it's not just being relegated to a regular indie world it's being given its kind of um you know main spotlight in the main line director yeah. which is good to see um but yeah I, I mean both of these are the types of rpgs i want to be seeing you know um Definitely. so so it's very very cool that both of them uh, have demos and both of them got a bit of a spotlight kind of lumped together here and um yeah we'll uh, we'll talk about them in the next segment because we have played uh, a good amount yeah. of both of them cool. um bally i've got to talk about probably the biggest surprise of the show one of the biggest drops say professor layton yeah. is back baby layton is now big enough for a cinematic reveal <laughs> i guess so i mean it's been nostalgic uh, nostalgically long enough right um we can maybe tie this in with with ghost trick but it feels like it's been a ds renaissance in some sense uh with this and maybe fancy life as well and this kind of ties into the level five stuff also but like professor layton 
uh, is a series that was hugely popular on the DS, hugely so with a kind of casual audience as well, right? Like it was in the era of touch generations where brain training and Nintendogs and all those types of games were popping off. And somehow Professor Layton kind of wormed his way into that um, and, and made a big name for itself as a series that was very puzzle focused, like people who liked Sudoku, which was big at the time, were very into Professor Layton and the puzzles that it had. But the nice thing about Layton was it, it tied its puzzles in with a world and a story and characters and all that fun stuff. and it it was a really cool combo of of things and obviously had a whole trilogy on the ds then it had a fourth game that was also on the ds which started a second trilogy and that second trilogy was a prequel trilogy so actually takes place before the main trilogy um and then the two 3ds games that followed that up um similar to ace attorney actually because ace attorney had well ace attorney technically was gba back on in japan but then it came to the ds with three games then had a fourth game that was also ds and then two follow-up games that were 3ds games so Layton and ace attorney sharing a lot in common generally uh you know obviously had that that crossover game but um yeah there's there's a lot of Layton out there to play if you haven't played Layton before but then the series just kind of disappeared right and i think this is a broader problem of level five just kind of disappearing and um i think they put out a statement of some kind being like look we're uh we're finally seeing that video games can be global and, and i was like what the fuck are you talking about level five like what is wrong with you games be global the whole time like your, your series have been popular in the west for a long time but um i think they had retreated back to just doing kind of japan focused stuff i remember there was a level five uh, presentation a few years ago where they were talking about this whole this thing called snack world this was basically when they were, they were riding high because the yokai watch was the biggest thing ever made in japan and yokai watch was making the money over money over money and they made this thing called snack world that had like this kind of like nfc kind of like in world like real things that you would then buy and you could scan them into the game and stuff like that and it was a thing that was very japan focused and i don't i think snack world did come out here at some point but it feels like it just completely flopped for them and then post snack world it feels like they've just not really done anything mainly because there's not been anything coming out in the in the west regarding them um and i think they might have just done some small stuff in japan but for some reason this was the nintendo direct where they're like all right here we go we're gonna do this weird deca police game which during them showing that game off in the presentation i was like i typed on discord i'm like this looks like the type of shit level five would do during the 3ds era <laughs> and then like literally a minute later the end screen is like level five i'm like i fucking called it <laughs> uh like what they, they're back again um and then obviously uh you know fantasy life uh gets announced but then professor like like three level five projects in this one nintendo direct and out of nowhere this company that was such a big force in nintendo's handheld uh kind of third party identity back in the day are just back uh and it's slightly confusing um but also it's very cool like i'm i super appreciate seeing level five back on top um because they make some great games uh and they they have some really really cool stuff uh in their catalog so uh yeah thrilled to see that there will be a new professor layton don't know what it's going to be how it's going to look any of that sort of stuff you know maybe a new engine that type of thing and hopefully it's along the lines of the the main trilogy games because there was the spin-off game which was catriel something like that like layton's daughter or something and that was really bad no one who was a layton fan liked that game i've heard people talk shit about that game constantly so that felt like like a flop uh, and not worth uh kind of having the professor Layton name to it almost but this is the new world of steam valley that they're, they're coming back in a big way it feels like this is a big proper new Layton game which is very exciting um, are the other Layton games like pre-steam 
Like, are they, are they um, like, are Victorian? I'm trying no, to work out. No, not... I guess... The weird thing is, is, like, you're on a train for quite a few late-in games, actually, oh. so... But is it a steam-powered train? It might... Not be, was there was, what were trains? What, tra- what were trains before steam? Yeah, there were trains before steam. So I'm like horse and cart. Yeah, <laughs> is that I a don't horse know. and cart train? Is that what we're getting there? No, no, it was a real train. So, okay. d- hmm, that's a good question. Does this mean this takes place before that first? That sorry, ah, that second trilogy yeah, is go. going even further back in time. Don't know. Maybe okay. I don't know because I'm very distinctly remember the start of Layton Two. Um, you're on a train for a pretty long part of the start of that game. So, yeah, uh, weird. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah. I never got to the latent games, but I, I would love to get to them. And if it means jumping into this one as the, my first one, then so be it. I'll, yeah. I'll give it a go. Yeah, for sure. Because Layton think... never had the... Because obviously Phoenix Wright had the, the trilogy brought to Switch. And yeah. That never happened to Layton. Maybe it's too hard no. to transpose, but... I, I don't um, think so. I think they can do it, you know? Like, I think it's definitely possible to do that. we've not had that in the last six years, but... Right, I guess oh, well, just because... we'll take a new game. Right, because level five haven't existed for the last five years, right? So um, maybe maybe with this coming out, they could do what Nintendo are doing and like, hey, Metro Prime Remastered before Metro Prime 4, let's do all the latent trilogy before this new one comes out. That would be a nice thing. Oh, I mean, that means the new one is like five years away. <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, I mean, they did a cinematic tease, Valley, <laughs> yeah. so like, you know, I don't... I'd, I'd vote it'll come out end of next year. I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, just to cover the other uh, level five games while we're here, um, Decca Police, it's like a JRPG detective game. Looks japanese in the way that you would expect um you know i th- i think i'm interested to see it but I'm, I'm not like there for it day one or anything i think i'd be curious to hear what people think about it it's it to me it feels like one of those games that in five years time when it goes on sale and the switch eShop is about to close down that's when i buy it like that there are a few games on here like that where i'm like yeah i'll wait until the switch eShop closes down and then spend you know 200 quid to to pick up all these games basically um that's that's one um but the one I'm more interested in is Fantasy Life. It's actually Fantasy Life I. That's the subtitle because it's Japan. Um, the Girl Who Steals Time. Um, and I have the first Fantasy Life on 3DS. I bought it recently, secondhand copy, in my attempt, as I'm saying, to get all the 3DS games before the shop closes. Um, and it's a game I've only heard great things about. Like, people love the original Fantasy Life. It has, like... It's basically, like, a kind of, um, you know... A, a game where you do tasks like you're a chef or you're like a blacksmith or whatever like you're in this town and you can kind of choose a profession and you do stuff related to that profession but it also has like kind of minor dungeon crawling rpg elements to it um it just seems charming and adorable and a really nice chill kind of vibe so um i definitely want to play that game uh, and i'm very interested to see where this new fantasy life goes because uh it has uh i think a lot of potential to live up to um given how much people like that first game um so yeah that one that one looks really really cool uh very excited to see where that goes um great bali do you have anything else here that kind of stands out to you uh i thought that next wave of mario kart dlc looked very nice that yoshi's island track is looking really cool like it's almost like a blending of art styles because you know they're trying to keep that original yoshi's island look but then merge it with you know the traditional mario kart 8 style and Mm -hmm. seems like it's a completely original track i don't think it's one that was on the the handheld the mobile i should say not handheld i'm calling mobile handheld (laughs) what's wrong with me what's wrong with me um so i thought that looked really cool 
and I think that's coming in. I don't know. They didn't give the specific date, did they, for it? But I don't think it's great. so. So I'm sure we'll check in with Mario Kart again when when that comes. Cause always, it's always, still trucking yeah. along nicely. Uh, there's Birdo as well. Let's oh, put Birdo in the game. And they and they, I think they suggested there's even more characters to come. So that's yeah. Fun. I want Petey Piranha from Double Dash. That would be my, yeah. my boy. That, he was cool. It would be nice if they paired these characters with items that go along with them. So like Birdo's eggs, something like that. You know, that would be a fun thing to do. But I. That's something they'll probably do for a new game because it was yeah. it was so substantially changed the whole balance totally. of the game. But um, I'd sure. be up for that. I loved that about Double Dash. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of other stuff in here that's like DLC stuff, right? So there's Fire Emblem Engage DLC, uh, which is a bunch of characters that they are now baiting me to buy because they put my boy <laughs> Hector. Hector in the game. That motherfucker. Uh, there he is with his big axe, uh, looking great. Um, and they also announced a story DLC, Fell Xenolog, which I think is going to come with the Wave 4 of, of Fire Emblem Engage Shock stuff. DLC. So, uh, God, I hope so. Man, what a crossover <laughs> that would be. Um, yeah, we'll get to Shulk in a minute. Um, but uh, I, I this is this is a trend. We can maybe talk about Splatoon DLC and Xenoblade alongside all this stuff because they all kind of do the same thing. And it's this is a trend with Nintendo DLC generally. They just put out a bunch of fluff, and then they're <laughs> yes, like, it really here's the, is yeah, they, it's like, here's a bunch of shit, and then here's the thing you actually want to buy yeah, it for. But we'll bundle really, it all together. Right, really, you're paying the money for the thing at the very end of the day that has all the big stuff, but they're like, oh, here's some bunch of bullshit in case you want it, you know? Um, which, you know, in the case of Fire Emblem, I think those emblems are actually a bit more of a big deal, um, because they do change radically the game, and you can, you know, pair them up with different characters, and there's lots of abilities they have, and all that sort of stuff, so there is there's a good amount of difference there, but you know it's it's not the same as a full story uh, expansion which has like new maps and new new narrative stuff and all those sort of things so there is a tease for that which is great and i will definitely play that but it's it's likely in all of these cases i will wait until the actual main story thing comes out then i'll just buy it all at once and then i'll just have it all at once you know so if i do want to do another playthrough of engage which i potentially will um then i will have all those new emblems and i won't have to you know worry about the drip feed of them coming out or whatever and similar to xenoblade i i am dying to go back to xenoblade 3 frankly like i've got a bunch of quests i still have to do loads of stuff in that game i still want to do but there are a bunch of new heroes and i just want to wait until all the heroes are in the game alongside the new story to jump back in and that's when i'll do it so when the new dlc story comes out for xenoblade that's when i'll go back to the base game as well and really dig in and finish off all the all the stuff that i want to do in that game so um yeah and then we have splatoon 3 which um i mean bali what the fuck are they doing like i, I know we say plaza. fluff what, i know what we say fluff. Doing the plaza it's it's they it's skins basically instead of skins for characters the skin is for the the place that you don't do anything oh my god right oh god like you don't you you don't do anything in the hub the hub is like a glorified men and i appreciate people like the hub and walking around it but like at this point in time when you've played enough splatoon you're just going to the menus man i'm not walking around that hub anymore i'm just like sometimes i want to see some meverse posts or whatever but i'm not walking around that hub that much and... i mean i do prefer the hub with the first game than the current game the current yeah soon three's hub is ridiculously big and weird and whereas i do like the simplicity of the first hub from splatoon one but yeah. i don't want to pay money for dlc for it i don't no. care, i don't care about it that much no of course not um so yeah that was like the most fl- i'm like as they keep going with this i'm like are you seriously one of the things in this dlc is just changing the look of the plaza okay what the fuck um 
and then uh and then they have this kind of weird vibesy creepy ethereal uh kind of section uh, that is promoting the actual thing that you're paying for side order the dlc story expansion for splatoon 3 that looks like near as hell like so fucking near automata is insane and um i am very down for whatever that is have coming off the single player of splatoon 3 and loving it um this looks really cool from a visual aesthetic perspective but that's all we know about it is yeah visually it's it's got this unique aesthetic and that's it and that we Mm -hmm. don't know like it's going to be single player levels we assume so but like yeah who knows no idea um but i'm in for it i think after that that um that main game story Mm -hmm. i definitely want to see what they do main game single player was very strong excellent stuff stuff. yeah excellent stuff so yeah definitely want to check that out um but i will wait until that happens and then i guess i'll get a weird plaza along with it for purchasing it so that'll be fun um uh so i'm just gonna do quick xenoblade spoilers here uh so if you don't want spoilers then skip ahead i'll put a timestamp. um so they showed like the smallest snippet of uh the dlc for xenoblade 3 and um it are has a lot of questions raised (laughs) basically um there's a lot of shit in that game that is like obviously it's the two worlds colliding and so you know shulk and rex both exist outside of the cycle but then they exist within the cycle when everything gets kind of smushed together and alvis is there for some fucking reason alvis everyone knows of course the the computer uh who actually was the kind of part of the phase experiment that happened at the end of xenoblade one that caused the entire splitting of the worlds but he is a he is essentially a machine uh, also part of the aegis and part of all the kind of the, the trinity processor and all that sort of shit the part of the conduit all that sort of shit everyone knows about and alvis is gone evil so either someone has rewritten his programming and he's not actually alvis and he's just being taken control of there's also the factor of xenoblade 3 console a is never present and he's called alvis so of course like console a is going to be a factor in there and we've got older shulk who still voiced by adam howden good to see older rex not voiced by the same uh, person who voiced rex uh which i think is a good thing because i think rex's voice actor was not to my taste let's say uh, i did not like him um so I, I appreciate that they've gone in a more rugged he's still northern but he's still it's a much more rugged kind of voice which fits his aesthetic for how much older he looks now because look rex was basically like a 10 year old essentially i think he was supposed to be a bit older than that but he looked very very young so i appreciate that like chad rex is here with his cool hair and he's wielding the two aegis blades and stuff like that so we've got shulk and rex facing off against alvis and then we see um another character who looks noah adjacent but that's kind of yeah there's there's a bunch of stuff that happens as to why that's the case but he also looks like the protagonist from xenogears feng so like i don't know how that kind of factors into things i think it's a reference but basically this seems like it's gonna be the founder's story right like it's gonna be the story of the founders of the city um and what happened with all that stuff previous to the main story of xenoblade 3 so we're not gonna get the main crew back together it's gonna be all focused around um kind of what happened with the with the experiment to fuse the worlds together and what happened in the aftermath of that potentially and you know with n and everything and destroying the city and all that sort of stuff so um there's a lot of potential narratively with this and answering a bunch of questions but i think it also sets up a lot of questions i watched a 
75-minute video, or no, 72-minute video from a YouTuber called Luxin, who's a big uh, Xenoblade guy who does lots of lore deep dives and narrative stuff. And um, yeah, this 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 video in total was 75 seconds long, uh, and he's, he did a video as like 72 minutes analyz- analyzing a 75-second video, um, which, uh, yeah, he goes into a lot kind of more depth than I could on this stuff, but um, it's... Uh, it's very exciting and also you get a quick snippet of bionis leg like you can see the bridge where juju's uh you know the thing gets broken down and you can see uh you know that opening one of the opening areas of xenoblade one but it is clearly part of ionios so like it feels like that area existed prior to xenoblade 3 this kind of like building into why it would be a founder story in the sense that the annihilation events would have destroyed that landmass potentially or maybe that even happens in this game so there's a lot of stuff going on um i realize bally you've not understood a word i've said for the last uh five oh, minutes what? But, you, oh okay um, right yeah mm-hmm. uh, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm still here <laughs> yeah no but but uh but that, that that's that's uh i'm very let's say i'm very excited for more xenoblade 3 stuff there's a there's a lot of potential angles and paths they can go down with that and you know whether it leads to something new uh anyway spoilers over uh, everyone can come back now we're all good um yeah, uh, Bally, is there any, anything else? There's, there's lots of stuff still on this list, but... Um, Slim pickings for me personally. Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited for the Dead Cells DLC, frankly. I think that looks sick it as hell. look cool. Um, there's a hell of a lot of music in there. Yeah, it is great. It's great to see how much love and care they're putting into it, like the Dracula boss, all that sort of stuff, the enemies, the weapons, the cross, the axes, uh, obviously the vampire killer, the whip itself. Like, It's great to see so much love being given to that that thing um which is amazing um and and yeah i, I definitely want to check that out i've, I've bought dead cells dlc in the past but this seems like a much more significant thing and it's coming out i think march as well so it's pretty pretty soon around the corner um and yeah the, the last couple of things for me are the detective stuff so ghost trick is coming back uh if you've never played ghost trick it's a really good game i'm not a ghost trick fanboy i'm not like thinking it's the second coming of christ which most people do um you know it's written by Shutakumi, ace attorney guy all that sort of stuff uh, the game is really really good and i think this hd glow up is awesome um it looks really 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 nice um so yeah definitely check out ghost trick if you've never played it before and then master detective archives rain code which is the next game from the danganronpa team which my fingers are crossed that it's good because nothing that team has put out since danganronpa v3 has been great or at least the the combo game that they did with um you know with kodaka and ushikoshi made a game called uh uh world's end club that was very bad and people didn't like so i'm hoping that master detective archives rain code is good um fingers crossed but yeah lots of detective stuff going on in this presentation um and it's also cool to see etrian games coming to the switch uh finally because etrian is a series that has been huge on ds 3ds for the last few years um and is is finally uh, arriving on switch with some classic games one through three which i don't think are super beloved i think you know three onwards is probably where that series is good and where people like it i have etrian 5 on 3ds to get to at some point so um yeah but it's really nice to see that they still care about that series in some way um and trying to figure out a way to do it on a non-touchscreen non-dual screen system i'm sure is going to be tricky but um they got to figure it out somehow because that's not nintendo are not doing one of those systems again at least for the, the near future so anyway uh that's it that's the nintendo direct uh there's other stuff in there they're, they're bringing back um style savvy through a, a new thing called fashion dreamer and marvelous are involved now but i don't know we'll we'll see what that's like um yeah final thoughts bally 
Well, how, how are you feeling coming out of this? Very strong. I think the fact that I think people were quite confident we'd probably see or hear about the big game that's probably going to come out in October, November that we don't know about. Um, people, well, I'm certainly leaning towards that being 2D or 3D Mario. So I think maybe that was something that could have been there that wasn't there, but that would have made it absolutely the top, if not the best direct of all time. Mm-hmm. Um but the fact that I wasn't there, it's still an incredibly strong direct. More information on a lot of games you already know know about. Not a ton of new drops, but the yep. few new drops that there were, pretty pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed this one, and I think uh, there's a lot of stuff to dig into now, right? Just having the Game Boy and GBA on Switch, uh, you know, I can get Metro Prime remastered now for a reasonable price as well. It's, it's thirty four ninety nine in the UK at least, so it's not they're not charging us full price for it, which is appreciated at the very least because nintendo very I, I would have expected them to do that you know like it's the sort of move that they make it's like no it's 50 quid it's like oh god damn it but thankfully mm. uh they actually they actually made the right choice and um yeah loads of fun surprises Leighton Leighton coming back is just awesome so I'm, I'm super stoked for that to be the case so Anyway, um, that is going to be us for this first segment, talking about the Nintendo Direct. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back after this break to talk about the games we have been playing. See you in a bit. Alright everyone, welcome back to the second part of today's show. Uh, it's time to talk about the games we've been playing. There's been a few. Uh, there's been uh, a lot of uh, Japanese-inspired uh, uh, slash Japanese RPGs happening as per the Nintendo Direct. And uh, Bally, we, uh, we've been playing some demos from that thing. Mm. Um, the main one, of course, being Octopath A Traveler A 2. Uh, the follow-up to your favorite RPG, Octopath Traveler. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I know that you've had a chance to play a little bit of this. Uh, how are you feeling so far about Octopath Traveler 2? Yeah, I, I mean, I've only played one chapter chapter with Throne the Thief. Uh, I really like it. I don't think it's changing up too much from what I can see so far, but uh, I really love it, and it just reminds me that the music, the battle system... I think the art style is arguably a little bit of a step up. It's yeah, totally. even better than before. It's all just really good. I really loved it. And I thought Throne's um 
story was definitely probably in the top half of stories that I've seen in Octopath Traveler. Like I think her, awesome. her story's pr- pretty good, pretty good so far. Yeah, has has it had any kind of like intrigue? I've I've heard like people talk about it in relation to Primrose's story in some way. It's Does it quite like... similar. I did okay. think that. Um, yeah, so she's part of a, a syndicate uh, that she's been born into. Um, and then the, the leaders of the syndicate are called mother and father. They're not actual mother and father. They're right. like just their name. So uh, the mafiosa then, family of some kind. Right. And then the mo- mother and father, they basically manipulate the members of the group uh, to essentially like backstab each other to work Ooh. their way up the ranks. Uh, okay. And yeah, it's really cool, actually. And they, they all have like a collar. And, like they can't escape because of their collar, supposedly, or something. So yeah, it's all... It, it takes place in like this city that just feels a lot more vibrant than the first game and Mm. it's not through the character interactions necessarily it's just to do like the density of the city just feels um more dense through the pixel art almost like it's it's got that real thing to it and i should say like every character has their own special abilities both outside the battle and inside the battle so outside the battle she can sneak up behind people and knock them out and I think you can like gain outfits off people, steal stuff from them, right. uh, and then in in battle, her special ability is she gets like another turn, so you can have two back to back turns, which is mm. quite a good use of manipulating some of her abilities to kind of do extra damage or heal extra or this kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm really impressed. It only took like an hour and fifteen minutes, maybe, and I know I could have played more, but I'm keen to just wait until. It's, we're closer to February 24th before playing the rest of the demo and then go into the game. So, But I did want to play just one chapter just so I could talk about it on the show. And I am very impressed. I'm reminded why this is my favorite uh, JRPG of all time. Yeah, and I, th- I think that there are still concerns to be had because I also was very positive on this demo as well. But I also was very positive at the start of Octopath Traveler when I first played that game, right? And the the issues only kind of showed themselves later on when stuff like the gap between levels of characters and kind of grinding stuff appeared and, you know, the, the kind of lack of story cohesion between the different characters and that mm. sort of stuff was... A little worrying um and you know i can i can already see a little bit of that stuff and i don't know how uh how they will kind of get over it or make it work but um i started with oswald the scholar uh and he you basically when i first started i was going through and seeing each of them and he's the only one when when you click on him it says if you choose this character you will do two of these chapters back to back so you have to do them and there's a narrative reason why that is his story is basically so he's he's um a magician he's a scholar he he does all the magic stuff and i chose cyrus as my initial starting character in the first game so i thought i'll just do the same here right and i'll choose the magic user because i i really like cyrus and he had a lot of potential combat wise so i thought similar here and this story starts out and you're in a court and he is basically being sentenced to life in prison for the murder of his wife and daughter and you're like oh shit like it's it's some rough stuff right like there's a fire that basically has killed them and he's being sent away and you know you obviously kind of figure out the course of doing this that he has been wrong wrongfully imprisoned and he has been framed essentially for this crime and so you spend that first chapter in prison and it's basically a 
prison break story where you are going around the yard talking to people kind of figuring out like you have to find an accomplice to help you but the really interesting part is he can't use his magic because he's been muzzled so they basically Mm. have a muzzle over his mouth because spells come from him speaking them and so he's like he can't really talk to people so he has to figure out a way of getting out of this prison by just like communicating uh, by writing to people or like signing to people that sort of stuff so it's a super interesting kind of like as you go through these steps of trying to find someone to help you you need to find an escape route and you need to find um uh the the guard patrols or something like that to figure out what to do and between those sections he goes back to the prison and and goes to sleep and you get flashbacks of like this guy he worked with harvey so harvey who was this other scholar who worked with him and the basic story of them trying to like push the bounds of magic and figure out like you know the the secrets of, of of um all that sort of stuff and you kind of slowly unveil the story of like what happened in the backstory there and it kind of leads up to the fire Mm. and everything so really strong narratively to kick off and then the second chapter is you kind of like is having escaped the prison then kind of getting out of there getting to the mainland and all that sort of stuff so yeah it's it's a bit more extended but i really enjoyed it i thought it had again really solid writing and i think the writing in octopath for me is actually a bit of a step above triangle strategy like triangle strategy is dense with its writing but i think it's not very economical and i think octopath is a it's still a, a little bit tropey in jrpg but it's a little bit better at uh kind of getting things across more succinctly which i appreciate mm. uh, i think it does a good job of that um and so yeah i got to the mainland with him and then you know i, I was like level eight or nine and then i went uh, all the way over to the next town where uh the thief not the thief the cleric was temenos temenos the cleric and then his story starts off with this like crazy epic battle it's like this huge like this ancient arch sage versus this god and you go up to the top of a tower and you have like 4000 hp and you're like fighting i'm like what the fuck is going on this is epic as hell and then like it turns out that that's all a performance being put on by Terminos at like a oh, church cool. and it like uh, it zooms back and he's like doing a puppet show essentially of like the lore and the history of the it world with feel the gods. A bit deeper than the first game like yeah these stories i did think a strength of the first game was the intricate stories now out of the eight some of them were much stronger than others but it was nice that you got this local small town feel to a lot of these stories right um, but some of them felt a bit like tr- like tresses for example was like okay like it's just a little bit nothing yeah, it was very weak yeah i yeah. agree um yeah. and that that is a shame and but i mean we've, we've talked about three different characters so far and yeah. they all sound already a little strong and now maybe we've just got lucky and the other sure five characters are maybe on the weaker set side but um yeah i'm hoping that it, they, they there's just a, feels like there's a little bit more care put into like the design yeah. of like these areas and narratives and i like i, I still am s- stand by like i think that there will be awkward clunkiness later on and totally. there's, there's going to be some grinding and i'm sure this game copies the first game where the big bad god that ends the world that they all link to in a very subtle yeah. small way is probably still the level 70 post post credits thing but mm-hmm. i don't know who who knows i, I mean I, I i just beat all the um so i did the, the eight times four is 32 chapters yes i did do all 32 chapters last time and i predict that's probably what i'll do with this game and end it there unless i'm having an absolute whale of a time and right. keep going but i don't know yeah it depends how they kind of make that stuff work yeah i'd love it if they brought that stuff together and made it more simple yeah and you could avoid grinding because you finish the game on arguably level like 
between 30 and 40 but then the post-game stuff you had to be level 70 80 just to stand a chance so stupid really stupid because if it was like level 40 i might just roll into it and try it but like it was just so much that i just looked up online and i was like right okay that's good to know but not for me um and yeah hope i don't know if this game will do something similar but we'll see yeah the thing that you mentioned that worried me as well was like well they've told us we have night time where enemies are stronger so that means if you want to grind go at night time and they're proud of the fact that there's going to be a bit of grinding so yeah yeah yeah. it kind of feels like that that. for the for the start it doesn't matter because you only have up to four characters they all level together it's once you're your party always remains four characters but then you end up having eight characters and the character of their own story has to be there so you yes. have to rotate uh, so it's not just a case where you can I, I lent on the fact last time that i basically had a healer that stayed with me a heavy hitter that stayed with me i mixed up that third character and then the fourth character was always the character that had to be included for the for that story kind of thing right. and you can yeah. kind of get by but it's not it's not a very elegant way of structuring it no and that's the thing of the balance of levels right like i i came out of one story well uh, technically having done two chapters because that's the way they work so it kind of imbalances things but like oswald was level nine and temenos was level five so already i'm like well this sucks you know like I, i i just don't like that they they need to have a way and this could be the case in the final game where you are leveling equally with people and you can do that and people who are not on your team do get experience even though they're not on your team that type of thing Mm. but um i'm not holding my breath for it because they seem to be stuck to tradition in quite a few ways here um and like similar to the first game like you get so i got to the the second town with oswald and temnos pops up and is like hey hello i'm gonna join you and oswald says nothing he's just silent yeah um, so that's very memorable from the the first game you know when yeah, that happens yeah. that's how they kind of link the eight people together yeah like, totally yeah. and then what happens is you basically are like do you want to start this guy's story so we'll take you away and do that for a while then we'll come back afterwards and that's what i did so i, I played through three chapters in total in the three hours and i basically pushed it right up to the limit i was just finishing temenos's chapter just as the three hours hit which uh, I, I kind of squeezed it in nicely so that was nice. that was good but um then they bring up a splash screen and like you've been done for three hours now you can you know wait for the full game off until 20 yeah exactly give us some time to put this this game out uh properly but yeah i think exactly from what i've heard from you and like the opening it feels like they grab you straight away like the opening section of each of these stories sounds like they just grab you straight mm. away which i think is really important because you know as i said stuff like tresser in the first game is like well i'm a merchant i'm gonna go and see the world and there wasn't really like an inciting incident that really grabs yeah. you in that way um so i hope that that's the case for all these stories and um yeah it also feels like the first two chapters for oswald it feels like he should have six chapters you know because the first mm. chapter is escaping and the second chapter is like a little bit more escaping but he's not really started his journey yet and like you're starting your journey so is your journey only going to be two more chapters because that feels yeah, like yeah i mean i just assumed there was going to be 32 chapters of this game but i could be wrong it would be awesome if they mixed it up and some had more some had fewer yeah. some were longer some were shorter right uh like because, as long as the story needed to be as opposed to like we have to have four per character because that's how it goes yeah and that that is a real weakness i do think with the first game where the opening cha- chapters are strong but then you have eight final bosses <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's like eight chapters wrapping up all these things and right yeah it, it on the we it felt great on the good characters on on the weaker narrative characters it felt a little more chorish and i just really hope the stories can stay strong because that would make it just that much better to to get through 
Yeah, totally. And um, I, I think it's already broken with tradition in the sense that Oswald's second chapter doesn't have a boss at the end. It's just like, it's Ooh, a bit shorter. You just escape from the island, you're on this village, and then you just leave, and that's the end of the second chapter. Okay, that's giving me hope, because my chapter felt very traditional. As strong as it was, it felt very traditional. But Yeah. Yeah. Good, that's the th- cool. right like primrose for example i think has such a strong start and then the rest of her story is so paint by numbers it's like go take out this guy then go take out this guy then go take out the final guy right and it's very i i do worry about that for throne but um, yeah. hopefully there's a little more twist to it yeah and, and it depends how much interactivity the party has like how they handle that and if if that makes any headway in terms of the narrative intertwining We'll see. Um, it would be nice. Because the artwork for the to. game has the eight characters sitting around a fire. <laughs> yeah. You assume they're talking to each other, but in uh-huh. reality, I guess they're just sitting in silence. <laughs> um, yeah. Because they're just, you just want that level of interaction um, mm-hmm. where I feel like a game like Final Fantasy VI does a really good job where each character has their own individual story. But then there's all not an awful lot of narrative where they're part of a party, you know, yes. and that, that it it, do, it manages to do both really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love Octopath to lean more into that. But people have heard us moan about this with the first oh, game before, yeah. so yeah. Um, but yeah, the music, the battle system, that's all that where stuff this game is shines. Just, so, oh, it's yeah, fantastic! It's really, it really, really is. Cool. like getting into the boss fight and hearing the music for the first time. It's like, all right, here we go. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> really kicking into gear um and yeah some of that very minor combat changes but like you said you have like if you press x in battle you have like an additional ability for the character so um, i think it builds up the more you break an enemy and the more you are hit by an enemy i believe it's those two things yeah totally so for um for oswald his is uh basically his spells at a base level just hit everybody so it's it's nice to break multiple enemies at once but you can change it so that you focus the target on one enemy so it's it's basically one of those things where for a boss you want to build them up to the point where you break them then you want to use all of your boost right. points to like max out at four boost points and then use the focus x attack to do the spell and that's where you're going to get maximum damage essentially so it's like a really concentrated blast of, of magic basically so mm. um yeah very very cool stuff uh i i definitely want to play it um will i have time we'll see uh but i i definitely want to i mean it, it's, it's captured me already so i'm i'm interested in what reviews save mostly um but but yeah we'll, we'll we'll get to it i think um the other demo that dropped was sea of stars uh which is a very uh, anticipated uh, independent uh, rpg that is coming out end of this year as we talked about in the first segment um it is really cool in a lot of ways i also think you know there's some some elements that i'm not concerned about that i'm like i don't know we'll we'll, we'll see how this all comes together because it does feel like the demo was a little bit um you know lacking in some parts where so you know that you've seen in the trailers there's the big kind of stone guy who grabs the the circle and throws you and that's kind of your teleportation in the game right okay, yeah so you you start off by you arrive there so you arrive from another teleportation stone to that big stone guy and it's your three party members and they're just talking about something that you don't really know and it's like okay we're just kind of in the middle of the story here um and off you, you go off to the race and you start running around the movement is really nice like um <clears throat> just animation and the the world and and the 
the pixel art is just gorgeous so it's, it's really stunning to begin with um, and again you know Yashinori Mitsuda on the music so the music has been pretty outstanding so far also um, and you can do a couple of things like movement wise where you can jump down ledges and you can climb up ledges so you can basically press the A button and you could kind of go down ledges and you know there are some that are too high and so you have to move blocks in order to get up to them there's a little bit of golden sun in here where there's a uh, like overworld abilities almost zelda puzzles where i chose valere she's the the girl with the blue hair I chose her as my main character you get to choose between the boy and the girl at the beginning they're both in your party but one of them is the de facto character you control or your leader or whatever so i chose her and she has an ability that's like a little bit of a wind blast so you can push blocks and the blocks will move and then you know you can move the block into a place where you can then climb on on top of it and then use that to climb on top of another area so there's a little bit of verticality in the puzzle solving which is nice early on um and, you know very easy kind of like walking around the overworld and you know uh, switching switches to open bridges that sort of stuff kind of basically and i, I so I, I jumped into a battle and the battle just happens and doesn't really tell me anything i'm like what what is going on here like it 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 shows these enemies and these enemies have like three different icons above their head it looks like a um like a gambling machine kind of thing like a mm. three squares on a gambling machine and they're three different icons and i'm like what does any of this mean and then they have a timer over their head as well with a number next to it and i'm like i just jump straight into a battle and i have no idea what i'm doing so the game doesn't really have tutorialization in this in this demo which is a bit annoying you've got a lot of jrpg chops to try and work sure. out what you're doing you know like it, yes imagine someone without the, that knowledge exactly the the way that they mitigate it is that they have a menu option that just says how to play and so you just have to go into that menu and you have to read through like 12 different screens of like how does the combat work basically so so basically after that first battle i was like what how does this i don't understand any of this so i'm just going to go to the menu and look at that how to play thing and it does give you a breakdown but it would have been again this clearly coming in hot so they haven't built a full tutorial for you or anything but you do have the information there it's just like put in a separate menu that you have to read through so essentially the idea is is that when you're in a fight you can choose any of your party members to attack uh, at any time um but they have cooldowns right so you can attack with one of them then they'll be on cooldown until the other two uh, members of your party have done their thing so all three have to have acted and then it resets everybody but you can choose who attacks first and who attacks next and that sort of thing so in any order of the three three characters um you have different moves you have regular skills so like uh valir for example has a moon attack which is like it's got mario rpg style or mario and luigi paper mario style um button presses so she throws out this moon thing and it spins and hits an enemy then boomerangs back to you and you have to tap a at the right time to deflect it and then it keeps go it's basically like tennis in in uh, zelda where you're fighting ganon so you're basically having to deflect this attack constantly back and forth and it gets faster and faster and mm. faster and the faster it gets the harder it is and so mm. you can only go for like six or seven before it comes too fast for you to do properly right so that's one of her attacks there's another uh, big like sunblast attack that the main dude does where you build up the sun and it gets to a peak point where it super big and then it starts shrinking again so you have to get the timing right to when it's the biggest possible sun and then it will hit the most for the most damage um so there's there's a lot of like personal input that you have on timing both of you doing regular attacks so when you you do a regular attack on an enemy tapping to do more damage but also tapping to defend when an enemy attacks you so it is really just the mario rpg school of design with the combat where it's a bit more interactive you're actually applying uh, kind of timing based stuff in order to do more and less damage um you also have you know these these uh, gambling bars above enemies 
they represent different types of damage that you can do so a sword will be your main guy's sword a hammer will be um the the damage that your spear does as well as your your other third party member who has this big shield um they both their regular physical damage is represented by this hammer so you can use either of those characters to break that versus the sword that you have to use to break that icon and if you break an enemy stance essentially you're able to get in hits before they're able to kind of attack um in a way so it's about managing like okay so this enemy has a has a time ticking down of three that means after three it's not after three turns it's after three different actions so if one of my characters attacks that will tick down to two and if another character attacks that will tick down to one so it's about managing you know there's there's this one enemy that is this big bomb that will explode after a certain amount of time so you want to break its stance before it does that and it will destroy itself before it has a chance to do big damage and explode on one of your party members essentially so um it takes a little bit of time to get your head around of like how does this work and what am i doing and all that sort of stuff but by the end of the demo the like kind of last boss of the demo i felt really good and i felt like i was in a groove um your characters don't have a lot of mp you basically get mp back every regular attack you do so you can use Mm. like so the big sun attack takes 8 MP, but your character only has like 11 MP total. So it's basically their whole bar. So if you're going to do it, you want to build up to it and do it, but then you have to use regular attacks. And every time you hit an enemy, you get 3 MP back. So you would have to do like multiple attacks to get that MP back to you so that you can do the big attacks themselves. And enemies have vulnerabilities, so some of them are weak to certain types of damage. I haven't really figured out how that is or why that is. Um but then you also have this combo meter and the combo meter uh, governs combo attacks and combo attacks are kind of like chrono trigger where two characters together will do a certain type of attack and that certain type of attack also has different elements associated with it so you know if you have one turn left on an enemy and they have a hammer and a sword showing you're not going to be able to do that in one turn with one character because only the the dude can use the sword and only the girl and the other guy can use the hammer so if you use a combo attack it does sword damage and hammer damage at the same time so that's when you want to use those in order to kind of you know get get yourself through that situation so um yeah lots of elements to it but engaging in a fun way um and and has has a lot of promise i think and potential and that that last boss fight that i did really was kind of pushing you to really understand all the elements of it which i appreciated and and thought did a good job of that but um the story so far i haven't really been following that well maybe it's something to do with the text or the writing but i found it a bit hard to read and a bit hard to pass what was really going on um it was okay like i remember the messenger being a game where i did read it all but i didn't really pay much attention because it was a metroidvania slash platformer i didn't think the story was that interesting or warranted me paying attention to it um so my biggest worry here is that they don't have the writing chops to kind of hold up an rpg Mm. in that way um but everything else is really on point so it's a question of like you know do do you care enough about the story in order to kind of get through the fun stuff like the combat and and the the areas and the overworld and all that sort of stuff um yeah there's definitely like minor nitpicks but like the first town you get to is like bustling loads of characters around really beautiful great music like it's this kind of beach seaside area you talk to these pirates you kind of you know go along with them and then you have to basically go through this dungeon and the dungeon has like mini puzzles in it um it also has like 
it has a bit more traditional save points like you have to save at a save point which is a bit annoying and you know you rest at a campsite so like you have to go and rest and you have to cook food and you know items and it's you know it doesn't do the chained echoes thing where it heals you like you're gonna hear me complaining about a lot of rpgs now because chained <laughs> be your favorite phrase forevermore yeah doesn't do the chained echoes thing uh-huh Ch- look chained echoes has just frankly changed the fucking game all right <laughs> like chained echoes is like get all rid of all this bullshit and every other rpg is like well we still like the bullshit i'm like no shut up chain echoes look at that guy he's doing great look at him he's running faster than you all right um so, so wedded to the bullshit yeah they are they really are so um it's it's fine i get it i get why they do it but um i would appreciate if they uh if they didn't uh but you know what you're gonna do is an rpg um so yeah i like it quite a bit it's, it's really really pretty and um i think you know once the full game comes out a lot of this stuff will be ironed out there's there's weird stuff like for some reason, when characters started talking initially, there was no, like, you know, like an Animal Crossing where you get a bit of bit of bit of bit along with text, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a polished thing that subconsciously you don't really think about, but when it's not there, you're like, oh, it feels like something's missing here when a character is talking, and the thing that's missing is the little bit of bit of bit of bit that comes along mm-hmm. when the text scrolls, right? Yeah. Like, little polished things like that that aren't quite in there. I think it is in there, but it only showed up later in the demo. It, like, wasn't working in the beginning, then was okay. working later, so, yeah just little things like that do you think you'll pick it up day one or are you going to wait for some reviews or yeah i think i'll wait a little bit you know uh there's promise here and i think there's a lot of potential but um i don't i don't know how it's all going to pan out in the end um yeah we'll we'll see i i I like the prospect of the kind of zelda overworld puzzles and uh the the combat system has has a lot of fun stuff in it so yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes but i think that it's it's worth playing that demo i think only took me about an hour so if you want to check it out i'd recommend doing it um so yeah go ahead and see a stars i'll get to that's that. pretty great um bali i also finished fire emblem engage uh mm. it took uh, a lot of my time over the past couple of weeks i think i was i think i was chapter 16 or 15 last time that we spoke about it and uh, you know my saga of restarting not restarting but reloading my save file and you could have breezed through this game a lot faster if you I weren't enjoying it on an easier mode so yes. the fact you went back and did yeah. this was it 82 hours did you say like, 85 yeah 85 like uh-huh. i think that does show that this is definitely in your top few fire emblems right yeah yeah man it's um it's really good it's really good it's it's challenging and fun and i mean in some ways bullshit like there is there is like a late game level okay here's what happened there's a late game level chapter 25 that i spent two and a half hours on and then i realized i was fucked basically and i was like well i have to restart this whole thing and i was like well let's do it let's restart the whole thing and i i did i didn't see a way of me getting around it doing it the regular way so i then proceeded to spend two more hours trying to come up with a warp strategy in order to kill the boss on the second turn of the game uh, instead of like spending you know ages doing that it still took me two hours to get that warp strategy working because it was a combo of so Micaiah's emblem allows you to transport multiple people with the use of a staff so i was using a warp staff to warp myself plus five of my allies halfway across the map then i used a rescue staff to rescue the rest of them towards me then i had stuff like i put sigurd on on yunaka so because she has the pass ability as a thief 
So the, the boss is surrounded by a bunch of enemies, and enemies block your path in Fire Emblem. So the only way to get around them was to warp towards the boss, or to use someone like Yunaka, who can go through enemies with the thief skill of pass, which allows you to just walk past enemies. But I also had to put Sigurd on her, because Sigurd, as an emblem, has huge movement uh, addition. So even though she's only halfway across the map, I turn on Sigurd, I go all the way to the boss, all the way through the enemies, and I can do a couple of hits with her, move her to the side, then I take the rest of my party. I'm using dancing stuff as well, so I use Goddess Dance with Byleth's Emblem, as well as the Dancer Seedal, in order to get multiple dances going, so that I get more people warped over to near the boss. So I have like three people near the boss, and I'm relying on a percentage chance uh, against my favor, a 40% chance for the enemy to hit me, because if the enemy hits me, then I do this additional damage that will take their health bar down to zero, and, like, multiple times across this, it just, it just wasn't giving me the RNG I needed, and, like, I got right to the end, and I was like, I think... I was like so like exhausted doing this and this was after like a pretty long stressful like work day and I was like in this space of five hours on this map and just like fully into it and um and then I finally got this breakthrough and like it was one of the most like elative moments of like oh I'm fucking finally done with that shit like it was like such a trial but and at the end of it I was like do I like this game and then I came back the next day and did the same thing again so I think it says yes I do <laughs> basically I hate punishing myself um well, I guess I love punishing myself in that sense with Fire Emblem so um yeah it was it, it was uh, a good kind of end and the final boss is a really bit it took me like three hours that chapter a lot oh of planning a lot of just like getting around things and oh it's so fucking good it's it really really great stuff you're gonna play fire emblems on hard in the future i don't know i think this one was a case where normal was just so there's such a gulf like the gulf between normal and hard in this game is almost unbelievable (laughs) like how much more difficult it is on hard compared to normal and i just i kind of wish there was a bit of an in-between you know like if that normal mode had been called easy and they had created a normal mode that was like somewhere in between where easy and and hard is right um that would be an actual good normal mode i think um that would have been fine but i do think the thing with this game is that hard really forces you to engage with its mechanics right um you have to use those emblems you you really like multiple times over a course of a map you have to use them and you have to refresh them and they will be necessary to your survival because if you don't you will be screwed right um and i think the back half of the game was definitely easier generally because the first half you don't have as many abilities like your characters can only use one weapon type usually because base classes only have one sword or one axe or whatever whereas when you upgrade your classes like chloe for example got a a healing staff Uh, same with ivy like ivy got access to healing staffs when she uh, got to her advanced class or promotion Um, people like alfred who's kind of useless like the worst character i had but i kept using him the whole game because why not Um, he finally got access to swords so he can now break enemies with swords which was helpful like you you get more access and more powerful as the later game happens which lets you deal with these harder maps but they aren't as hard because you are more powerful by comparison so it actually was a bit more balanced it felt in the the second half of the game uh, again aside from that last map i think my biggest complaint about this game is it likes reinforcements a bit too much right like reinforcements make maps in this game so fucking long because you'll go through you'll clear people out and there's like reinforcements 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 reinforce like five six turns of reinforcements and you're like 
okay, I guess I'm just going to deal with these. And sometimes the reinforcements are infinite because the game is trying to funnel you, right? The game is trying to force you into a path where there's one boss that is like really near the end of the game where you're slowly going through this chamber, this kind of like this palace, and you're getting all the way to the end and they start spawning enemies. And I'm like, okay, right before the boss, I'm just going to clear out these reinforcements. And then they just, two more turns after that, they put even more. And I'm like, okay i can't deal with that there are too many i literally can't deal with them so i rewound all the way back to right before that and i was like i'm just going to rush the boss and that's what you have to do so many uh, situations in this game force you because uh, it's ironic Bally, because you're you're turtly player in every other video game mm-hmm. with fire emblem i am a turtly player i will very slowly bait people out i will put my general there i'll be like here's my general come and come and crash against this wall essentially because the general you put them out there they have massive defense and so any physical attackers will just crash against that wall and do zero damage to a general so that's what i do i put them out there or i put a a, a character like clan who had a high resistance against magic characters and again crash against that wall they come to me and then i pick them off as they are as close towards me right but this game in a lot of instances is like no motherfucker you gotta go out there you've got to put yourself at risk and you've got to come up with strategies to keep yourself safe right like these things like the chain guard or like the the bonded shield from lucina's ability to defend enemies even if they're in exposed situations or corin's ability when you pair them with a thief where they can place down a bunch of fog and that fog increases your dodge ability for that period of time so there's loads of little things it basically forces you to use those more complex mechanics in order to uh, get to a place where you know you can take on bosses by rushing towards them right while still being careful about it so um I, I i appreciated that as much as it took me out of my comfort zone of where i like to be with fire emblem i appreciate that the game pushes me in that direction and sometimes they do that with reinforcements They're, they will just spawn a bunch behind you and be like run motherfucker just run just ignore the reinforcements go in that direction and, and try and survive basically and um yeah it's very different very different from other fire emblem games i've played but i think it it brings a lot to the table and i think the emblem system generally is is really cool and necessary in a way to survive that onslaught so yeah i i think it's excellent uh, again i spent 85 hours with it so i clearly like the game quite a bit um but uh yeah i i also have there are so many other units that can be used in this game that i just didn't use at all um and they've, they've been adding stuff like the dlc so i might do another playthrough i might just do a normal playthrough just for breezy fun you know in the future um because hard is is stressful it's it's difficult so um i i did enjoy the challenge but i think uh if i was to go through it again i'm i might uh i might not do that or i might just put it on casual hard casual seems like a good way to go with this game because i was playing on classic i just had to make perfect moves because otherwise you just someone just dies at the drop of a hat it's so easy for people to die but i finished the game on hard classic with every single person alive which is for me the the thing that you're i'm always shooting for with fire emblems i'm very very happy that i was able to do that um yeah great great challenge great game i really really loved it so nice yeah fire emblem engage check it out if you have not um Bali, you have one more game to talk about. I do. I have been playing uh, a little game that came out in 20... When was it? Like 2019 on iOS. And then it came to Switch in 2020. And it's a game called Inmost. And we were really taken in by this game from like its reveal trailer probably back at the start of 2019 or maybe 2018. Mm-hmm. And I think that releasing on iOS, on I think it released on um, Apple Arcade first and then was switched later. I just think for the video game circles we listen to, that is like a, a guaranteed way to kind of 
miss a beat as it were where it kind of just drifts into the ether a little bit so right it's, it's a bit of a shame that this game wasn't really talked about more because i thought there was quite a lot of hype and obviously like it is it is uh, developed by hidden lair games which are like a small lithuanian studio i believe but it's published by chucklefish which is kind of why i think we were so interested or totally yeah we were so interested and it's a it's a really cool game um that is a bit rough around the edges i'd probably say um, you can clearly see why chucklefish wanted to publish it because it really fits their art style and yeah like, pixel art aesthetic is very much their vibe yes and this is some of the best like pixel art animation i've really seen and there's wow. like really good um like music and then lighting on top of you know like certain uh pixel art moments story-wise that are just very impactful and feel quite unique and almost like and i think of like what are pixel art games that are going for impactful moments obviously i think of like eastward but another one's like to the moon you know it's like it had kind of those kind of vibes at points even though it's like mm. a it's not top down pixel art it's, it's side on 2d pixel art and but it did kind of have have those themes like but this game is so much darker than either of those games by like a country mile and kind of makes me surprised chucklefish did publish this game because it is really dark and there are definitely there are themes around like suicide and murder and all these dark things in this game that obviously i knew it was a dark game the game plays around the theme of darkness a lot but it's it has it kind of links the fantasy ideas of darkness with real world reality of dark ideas and that's kind of why i think this game is so dark and kind of works in a way so you have three planes of action most of the game you spend is like this man who runs around it's a fairly linear metroidvania world uh, and it's kind of like this old house that morphs into like a castle it's kind of it's kind of like both and it's a fairly linear metroidvania world that then does loop back in on itself and this little man can't attack or anything he can just avoid enemies and move things around and it's more or less puzzle platforming and then you've got a girl in her house and she's with like her parents and it tells a story with her where there's like stuff going on and then the final plane of action is you play as like this knight or warrior in this dark castle and his levels are incredibly linear focused levels and there's very basic action and combat that you can do to defeat enemies and that's it you spend the vast majority you maybe spend like three quarters of the game i'd say with the the man uh and then you spend like a fraction of that with the girl and then another fraction of that with the knight like mm. it's it, you spend most of the time in the kind of general metroidvania so wow. do you kind of like get to sections in that metrovania space that then shift over to another perspective and then back again is that kind of how it works yeah it, it constantly shifts you reach a, a checkpoint and then it's like right now we're cutting we're going to do a story beat and cut to this or then a story right, beat okay. cut to this and the three planes of action do link up but i won't reveal how um and that's part of the game to kind of like it's kind of there's a lot of reveals and things which are, yeah. are done quite well in my opinion but it's really the atmosphere and the vibes of this game that are really impressive. So something like, if you remember the SAX, obviously, in Metroid Of course. Fusion, How could you forget? There's a lot of, like, creepy stuff chasing you in this game. And, like, I need to make it around this corner before this thing... Ca and, like, oh, my God, I didn't see that thing, and now it's chasing me. And 
and you're playing a lot of those parts as this man who is powerless to like right so yeah. you have to find like nooks and crannies to hide in and then they'll they might jump past you and jump into some spikes and kill themselves by accident kind of thing is, is like, this the closest to a survival horror game you've played Bally? oh yeah this th- this game is dark like it is scary and it's just oh yeah it, it, it was it was pretty dark to play i was not i thought about it for a long time after playing it for sure um and yeah you kind of just keep going with the guy and then stuff happens and then it becomes a lot more clear what's happening with the girl and how that links to the knight and how the knight links to the guy and there's just some really big reveals at the end i will admit i did have to just check in with like a kind of like a story update on youtube afterwards what happened, just to like, yeah, yeah just to clarify yeah. a couple of points but you know with your literary brain then we said you're probably probably gonna <laughs> you're probably gonna predict all these things happening sure. and um and yeah i would really recommend this it's only about a three to four hour game um there is definitely some clunky level design where yes the metroidvania world loops back on itself but there was a couple of points where i really had no idea where i was meant to go and where the vast majority of the game is quite linear and guides you there's a couple of points where they're like okay now you have to work out go all the way back to this thing you think oh god right yeah i do but then it's a short enough game i do this with short tricky games sometimes i just look up the full game on youtube and i'll just like skip along see what they did and then okay right that's what you do and continued on i had to do that like maybe three four times okay um so i don't think it's the most elegant uh puzzle platforming design all the time but there is some really nice stuff in there but uh this game's not as much about that stuff i'd say it's more about the themes the vibes the the message it's trying to get across i'm not really sure of the message it was trying to get across by the end of the game and having watched the story stuff um but i thought this is quite a unique game in kind of like this is a unique way of telling a story like this in a video game space that i was quite impressed by um it's a little clunk the action with the knight is incredibly simplistic he doesn't have like loads of combos or anything it's very simplistic very linear uh but again those areas are so short that you just kind of roll with it and you like i said you spend most of the time with the man and it's it's a it's a cool game like this had the potential to be a proper solid eight nine out of ten and i'd take it down to like a seven because of some of the clunkiness but it's still definitely worth checking out uh so if yeah if you see it on sale on switch sometime i'd i'd recommend checking out like three to four hours yeah worth your time um be prepared for some of the darker themes though i'll definitely warn you that and i don't think the game does a good job of warning you of that i think it tells you i think it gives like some sort of thing at the end of the game saying if you need support check out this sort of guy it's like you could have said that at the start yeah why why would you do that at the end yeah yeah um i think the save system is also incredibly clunky so i'd highly recommend just trying to play it in a couple of um a couple of sessions and with your sleep uh switch and sleep mode um yeah it's just really clunky menus for some reason um really rough around the edges and points but a very cool game yeah yeah i i kind of see why it was hard to market this game now you talking about it because it's like it's it's hard to almost (laughs) kind of define it in a way it seems i Um, mean the the designers definitely had a very clear vision in their head of this does this and it links to this in this way and we're gonna do this by doing and yeah i can imagine sitting down with someone wanting to edit a trailer thinking 
what the hell are we meant to, <laughs> how yeah, how, how are we meant do we to convey do this? this right because it's yeah. like a stealth metroidvania with narrative elements that also has a combat part that's only a small part of it yeah like, exactly yeah. and yeah. and going into it i had so little idea what you actually did in this game i think i thought it was just puzzle platforming and as much as we had followed this game i still didn't really know what in most <laughs> yeah. was if i'm honest yeah yeah, yeah. and you know it did get good reviews even though it didn't create much hype i think it's sitting on like an 80 on open critic so like i was definitely up for checking it out so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's cool it is cool i i am surprised chucklefish were up for backing this thing knowing how sprightly and positive most of their other games seem to be yeah um, but yeah i guess they fell in love with that pixel art which i must admit i did as well i think it i think it's very impressive uh what they do in this game yeah awesome in very most. very cool um yeah I, I definitely want to check that out at some point um just need to play 700 games first. yeah <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get that it's we'll a get short to. game it's only it's three hours that's nice um awesome well that is going to close us out for the show uh it's going to be uh yeah us uh heading on off uh but before we go uh let's shout out some stuff uh bali no emails this week but we will probably return to those next time so yeah. why don't you give a shout out for people to send their emails in where can they send them to yes please send your emails to this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com we always appreciate more yeah absolutely so uh get those going we also have some folks to thank uh people who support us on patreon.com slash this nintendo life who do we have to thank this week Bally? we have a brand new patron uh calista r thank you so much for your support and thank you to our tender tier patrons they are zach s thomas matthew albert and wicked gamer uk allen thank you so much for your support and thank you to all of our other patrons. Um, if I didn't say it last time, I think we, we did cross the 50 mark, which is awesome yeah. to see. So thank you to all 50 of you out there. It's hugely appreciated the support you give the show and uh, hope you enjoy the, the extra content. Absolutely. Um, you can obviously find us and the show in various places. Uh, we're still on Twitter, uh, at TNL Podcast. You can follow that. Still on Twitter for now. Still on Twitter, yeah. Uh, even though it broke during the direct. And oh, God was telling me uh you have now you can't tweet you've tweeted enough for today i was like elon musk fuck off leave me alone (laughs) i have to Um, share my views on on the direct yeah exactly so that wasn't great um but we're still there you can follow me at lord nbz where can they find you bally i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 lovely stuff Uh, you can find the show in various places we're on spotify we're on stitcher you can download us in a podcasting podcatching app um just search for this nintendo life subscribe find us there that'd be great you can also review us on spotify you can review us on apple podcasts both of those really helpful to broaden the reach of the show and more people can find uh, some folks talking about nintendo stuff that's us here talking about nintendo directs and all the fun games we've been playing uh, so do review us uh, and uh, that would really really help and uh, help us grow the show which would be very very nice um yeah and i think i think that's i think that's it i missed anything i think, I think so um, um i'm just excited for octopath travel too that's what yeah yeah it's good promise good promise that um i i you know i was talking about this i was like should i I just buy a switch oled for breath of the wild for judge's kingdom you know uh i'm going to japan you know i'm gonna be playing on on a plane you know um 
I just heard also my sister has apparently lost my charger <laughs> and her travels in Argentina, unsurprisingly. So she's having she's gonna have to pay me for a new one. It's just gonna how it's gonna be. So um, oh, I need one of those. Good. So um, she almost lost the Kindle as well. That uh, my my she old lost, Kindle. How can you just lose the thing? Look, she just loses stuff, man. Oh, I don't know. She's God. in Argentina. Who knows what's going on over there? You know, <laughs> crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's a fun time. Um, yeah cool well that'll do us uh, thanks everybody for listening uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with some more video game chatter uh until then uh, we'll see you soon bye-bye folks interlude used on today's show was Decisive Battle 2 from Octopath Traveler 2. Copyright Square Enix 2023.